So right before we started recording, I was eating myself some sushi sandwiches. You know what I'm talking about? Right, yeah. Yeah, it's a uh, it's, it's raw fish with some rice. Mm-hmm, that's right. And what I was thinking about is the way that whenever you go to a nice sushi restaurant and you order up a ton of this stuff, sometimes they bring it out to you in that, like, boat rig. You know what I mean? Uh-huh, yeah. I do know what you mean. I was thinking about it, and I was like, man, here's this, like, ancient boat that is covered in the remains of many decimated creatures what once swam the seas, right? Mm-hmm. Is a sushi boat a type of ghost ship? Because I think that it is. Holy shit. Right? I mean, yeah, I think you're right. Yes, a sushi boat is a ghost ship, and that means it's haunted. And there you go. you're haunting yourself by eating from it, basically. Ooh, you're consuming the souls of a thousand vanquished fish warriors. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first on the newest episode of Dad and Lovely, the absolute greatest horror movie review podcast <laughs> and sushi talk show in all the land here with the host with the most, it's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, your uh, haunted fish uh, warrior Ooh. buddy, <laughs> Hollywood Steve. <laughs> and we are here today to be talking about Saint Maud, as well as shooting the shit, catching up, having a co-beer, and all that other stuff we usually do. Um, I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys, we will be definitely spoiling the shit out of this movie. Oh, yeah. Don't let uh-huh. us do that for you. Yeah, you do want to really see good. it. It's really good. You do. This is just like Dead Man's Shoes. It's another one that, like, yeah, I didn't know what to expect going in, and I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, same here, man, because I really did enjoy this movie a uh-huh. lot. And I'm just going to say, like, if you're a fan of, well, hell, if you're a fan of A24 horror movies, yeah. you'll probably <laughs> like this. You'll, you'll probably very much like it. It is, It's right in that vein. Yep, so don't let us spoil it for you. Go watch it, and then after you do, if you come back and you're like, you know what? I want to skip the small talk. I'm going to get right down to biz nass well, and hear them just talk about the movie. What can they do, Steve? You can just look right down in the episode description where the timestamp is to skip right to the movie review. Mm-hmm. You can do that if you want. If, if you want you're that, that type way. of person. If, if you're I the guess. type who doesn't like the best part of the podcast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or if you're interested, you could also just go right ahead and go straight to Apple Podcasts and give us a bad review for talking about religion, because that's what's going to happen. <laughs> that is definitely what's going to happen. Save yourself some time. Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this should go over very well. But yeah, it's it's a really good movie. Can you imagine if somebody covered this movie and just avoided religious talk at all? <laughs> I don't I don't really want to talk about it, though. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited to talk about this thing as well as just catch up. It's been a pretty busy week here in the world of east tennessee it's been a crazy weather week the weather has gone from like 90 yeah, to 50 it got kind of cool there yeah i didn't i didn't hate it honestly um it, it was a nice little reprieve because it, it was it was really hot um but i, I do want summer so <laughs> let's get that hot. exactly man i feel that same way too as a result of that my allergies have just been like hey what the fuck are you doing and my sinuses are kind of going crazy right now so you might catch some sniffles on this episode. But I'll tell you what, it's been a good old week right here, and I think the absolute pinnacle of it, other than watching this great movie, has been playing music for human beings what? standing up huh? in public. All of that at once? My God. Did you fall All over? All at the same time. No, I did not fall over. I even managed to count and play the bass at the same time. What? Now, 
I know. Is counting part of playing music? It can be. It's optional. Okay. You can or you cannot. Mm -hmm. Nobody will stop you either way. They won't. But They'll man, be like, oh, he's not counting. Fine, whatever. <laughs> Get him off stage. You can tell <laughs> he's not counting. <laughs> it was amazing and fantastic. My, my good buddy Dave Kennedy, who I play with in Kennedy Wood mm -hmm. Band, uh, he was just hosting like an impromptu, just kind of anything goes open jam kind of night over at Barley's and... Me and Andy Wood went over there and just played a bunch of music. That's awesome. And it was just lovely. It was really fantastic just to be, you know, playing music in front of people again. I'm not going yeah. to do that since damn early 2020. This is like the longest break from playing music I've had in a well over a decade. So it was just a damn delight. I'll tell you this, though. Not ready to get back to drinking like you do when you play shows because <laughs> I had like... We had like a bottle of wine with dinner, and then when I got to the venue, I was like, I'll have a beer while I'm here, and then I got up on stage, and it's just like, oh, somebody bought the band shots. Okay. Oh, and a round of beers. Okay. <laughs> and then you get off stage. It's like, oh, yeah, somebody bought the, the band another round of shots. And then the next day, you're just like, yeah, I've not practiced for this. Exactly. <laughs> you should have been. I mean, honestly, any musician who's worth their salt practices drinking, Ben. Hey, you know the old joke, how do you get to, uh, uh, what's it, fucking Broadway or whatever? What's it? How do you get to... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Broadway. How do you get to Broadway? Practice. That's the one. Yeah. Drink, drink, drink. Drink, That's the drink, punchline. drink. Right, yes. <laughs> so that was a definite highlight for me. How's your week been, man? It's been good. I, I've been, I've been uh, uh, enjoying myself. You know, honestly, and I texted you this, uh, despite the fact that I really, really enjoyed this movie, not to totally spoil... Uh, our review uh i didn't want to watch it i it, i get it yeah like i watched it one time and i was like god well, that was great so fucking dark i just want very dark i just want to have a good old time so mm -hmm. what we're promising you guys for this summer is we're, we're gonna we're gonna go all out trying to uh, uh watch fun movies i don't want anybody yeah. Sitting at home being like, oh, fuck, I got to watch this drag of a movie to listen to this dead and lovely episode. Though, I mean, the Patreon episodes will still be whatever they are. That's up to you guys. But uh, we're, we're going to find some fun stuff because I, I really just want I've, I've been watching so much fun stuff. I just want to enjoy this summer. It's been a, a just a hell of a year. And let's real. let's enjoy it. Yeah, I'm right there with you, man. I just want to listen to fun thing. I want to see fun thing. I want to eat hot chip. <laughs> eat I just want to have a good time. Why? Do those things. Yes. I yeah, I'm excited. I, I really want to get back to the theater. Um Fuck yeah. I I, I do want to check out a quiet place too, because I've heard some some good reviews from people, though I, I hated the first one. I hated the first one, yeah. dude. Like it was it was a unique experience because you've never sat in a theater with that many people Being in dead absolutely silence. Quiet. Yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. I did enjoy that and that was uh, I'm very glad I saw a quiet place in the theater because I think that was the ultimate experience of it. But oh, yeah, definitely. I didn't really like it. And it's made even more awesome whenever you're there watching the movie in that totally silent theater and one of your friends is there with you and she is schmammer drunk. Oh. And not being very quiet. That, that right? made it way better. Yeah, makes it way better. So bring a super drunk friend <laughs> whenever you go watch Quiet Place 2 and you'll make that, some memories. Honestly, it would have improved the experience. Yeah, that's great. It was absolutely awesome. Yeah, I don't really like, I don't really want to watch it because I didn't really like that first one. But at the same time, it's like, 
I'll get into a theater to watch fucking paint dry at this point. I don't give a shit, man. I just want to yeah, be there. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel. I kind of just want to go. I mean, uh, you know, uh, Black Widow's coming out. I'm excited for that. Oh, but yeah, I, I want to get back in and watch a, a horror movie. Just something. I mean, again, A Quiet Place was great theater experience. I'd like to have that again. Word, man. And soon ye shall. What else you been watching this week? You been on oh, some fun man. stuff? Oh, man. I've been having a lot of fun. I uh, I watched Warlock, which you watched a couple weeks ago, and I, I, yeah, I did. couldn't remember it that well, so I was like, I'm gonna check this out. It's on Tubi. I mentioned last week, Tubi, fucking awesome. They got so much great stuff. Uh, and some really bad stuff, which is fun to watch. Um, Hell yeah. Warlock. <laughs> Real weird. I I kind of like hate loved the uh, the main uh, girl kept doing these like vaudeville things with him where he'd like say <laughs> yeah. something obviously clear and she'd say a different word and it, it was just like so who's on first but it <laughs> yeah, was also totally. like after it happened the first time it happened again I was like I just it's pretty funny. <laughs> well, let me ask you this: How much did you enjoy the way that Julian Sands as Warlock? looked like early triple h oh yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> he was absolutely hunter hearst helmsley uh-huh that's right yeah no i i really that that was fun and we'll definitely we're definitely considering doing that one soon because uh man it was just a fun it's a fun time it's a bright movie surprisingly but then like some real dark shit going on i really enjoyed oh it. yeah and it's also just like so perfectly like early 90s yes it's fun 100 um i also watched cooties which is cooties uh-huh it's a little elijah wood rain wilson uh, a few other people in there uh oh it's the one with like uh school kids and stuff right it is that's a fun movie it is fun and i was surprised how quickly they killed kids <laughs> I they was sure like, do jesus christ <laughs> but it's so funny it's so funny and in the background i noticed uh, i'm assuming this was pr- uh, produced by elijah wood in the background i noticed they had a um a girl walks home alone at night poster at the movie theater when they're walking past it. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Nice. Pretty cool. I also watched House 2, the second story. This was kind of inspired. I've never seen it. You got to see this one. Okay. Have you seen House? Have you seen it recently? Yeah. yeah okay. I love House. Yeah. It's, it's cool. The second one is so wacky and weird. And um, I, it was really like inspired by watching Warlock. I was like, right, there are so many movies from back in the day that were just like strange. I want to start rewatching them. House Two, definitely worth a watch. It's it's silly as hell. Hell yeah! I also watched a, a French horror comedy called Girls with Balls. Girls with Balls. Okay, I I, I wonder what happens when you Google that. <laughs> you don't. I don't know if you're gonna get. Because I'm assuming it's not the most popular video that contains girls with balls. <laughs> I'm just assuming that. Um, I mean, if that's what you're into, yeah. go for it. Uh, th- this, unfortunately, is about girls with volleyballs. So, Oh, volleyballs. Okay. Yeah. It's, hmm. um, you know, it, the kind of the thing is with horror comedy, a lot of the horror is kind of like, or a lot of the comedy can be kind of weak, but it, it, it works because it's in the horror environment. But when you're yeah. reading it as subtitles, it's like less mm. funny. So I get it. Yeah, it was fine. Um, I bet if you speak French, it's probably a lot more fun than you go. Oh, ho, ho, je suis laughing. <laughs> je suis laughing. Yep, they say. But that. of course, <laughs> you say. 
<laughs> Croissant! <laughs> I just really love them some girls with balls. I also started the TV show Modoc that's on Hulu, okay. Marvel's Modoc. I'm wanting to know about this. It's got to be stupid as shit, right? You know, here's the thing. Watch Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn's... Okay, still haven't got to it yet. Harley Quinn's better. But, okay, so like Harley Quinn, I said, is like Venture Brothers. I would say Modoc is like um, Robot Chicken, not just in animation, but in humor... And I don't like Robot Chicken. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, it, there's some real funny stuff from time to time on Robot Chicken. It's not my fave. But this is like a 30-minute, well, you know, 22-minute type of thing where they're doing more storytelling than Robot Chicken. It's not just a bunch of gags. Though there are a lot of kind of Robot chicken gags. gags. Uh, but it is worth a watch. I just think Harley Quinn's way better. If you're looking for, uh, a, you know, a DC or Marvel animated show that, like, breaks the fourth wall and kind of goes weird and all that stuff, Harley Quinn's your better bet. But MODOK is still, I, I am enjoying it. And, you know, Patton Oswalt's in it. it, it it's got a good voice cast. I'll tell you this, man. Just, like, my favorite thing about this MODOK series, even without having seen an episode is just knowing that they will throw money at any Marvel property. It's yeah. like, who the fuck has heard of MODOK? Like, that is not... It's not even a D-list character, unless you're, like, <laughs> very familiar with the golden age of Marvel comics and well, stuff. I mean, it's just yeah, like, or if you're a big Iron Man fan, because he's, you know, he works with AIM. Yeah, it's... Yeah, he, he's just, like... And I, I like that element, too. That's the thing that kind of keeps me going back to it. I've only got through the first three episodes. I'm gonna stick with it. I think it's good and funny, so... Check it Word, out. Word, man. I'll have to check it out. What you been watching, Ben? Man, I've watched a handful of things. We watched some funny things, we watched some corny things, and we watched some scurry things, and some dramatic things. I'm fixing to tell you about them, starting with the Friends reunion show. Oh, boy. How was it? <laughs> the only thing I've okay, seen like, is the, uh, Ma- uh, the Matthew... Not Matthew. What is his name? Matt LeBlanc. Matt LeBlanc sitting there looking like an old man who has no idea what's going on, but you know oh, smiling yeah. through it uh dude how i'll it? be the first person to tell you like i one million percent am aware that if you go back and you watch friends of course it's problematic like there is no people of color in any of the major cast it's just a bunch of in like new york city rich white kids it's in new york, new C- york yeah in new york city, city. yeah <laughs> yeah it's a bunch of rich white kids in huge apartments complaining mm-hmm. about their problems and stuff i one million percent understand it has not aged beautifully. But it's just one of those things I have such a fucking sentimental spot for because it's right. one of the first things that like me and you know my future wife bonded over and stuff. I'd never watched any of that shit and her family was all about it back in the day. So, you know, I've I've always gonna have the warm and fuzzy with that show, even though I am acknowledging its shortcomings and how problematic a lot of it is. And I know that like you know, to a lot of young people that watch it, they're like, this isn't funny at all. It's just fucking corny well, and stupid. To, it's, to this it's guy easy to watch. who watched it, I didn't think it was as funny at all. But it it is a very, very popular show. You know, I, I could say the same about Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's a very problematic mm. show. It is compaganda. Mm. They do a right, lot yeah, of shit yeah. that cops should not do. I mean, you know. But I still love that show. <laughs> I'm gonna totally. watch the last season, and I really do hope. I, I you know, I, I trust that with the last season they'll try to do something. Maybe all of them retire. Maybe they all say, "Fucking A cab, we're out, man." 
Like, I, I don't know. It'd be a bold move. It would be. I don't know. But uh, I do love that show. So I understand like a problematic shit. I get it. If you're into it. Yeah. But why? And also, yeah, totally. like, that's who that was for the reunion. It was for you. Like, it was for people who loved it. So, of course, you watched it. Yeah, totally, man. And it really did honestly deliver everything that I want. I never wanted to see a Friends reunion where they get together in their 50s and they're like, let's go to the fucking coffee house. Like, I don't want to watch that. I don't want to watch <laughs> these people try to get back in character. Like, it was just a really nice yeah, retrospective about, about yeah. yeah, the history of the show. And they, they got everybody together and put them on the sets. And they were talking about where Monica would always have her lines written down and shit like that. It was just a really nice fun watch it was exactly what i wanted it to be we also watched for our mindless saturday watch this week uh plan b which is a hulu original movie i don't know it anything is about this. fucking hilarious okay it's kind of like i will i will say that it's super bad ish in that it is a raunchy teenage comedy mm. um it's like a little bit of book smart i've heard it compared to another movie that's called like unpregnant or something like that but Essentially, you know, what you can get about the plot without spoiling anything is that some girls have a huge party. One of them ends up banging a guy, uh, regrets it, finds out she might be pregnant the next day. Oh, no. And they go on a quest to find Plan B. And so it's just kind of about them trying to go through the experience of finding the pill so she can make sure that she's not going to be pregnant and stuff. It's fucking hilarious. The two chicks that are the leads in it, are really funny. It's really well directed and really well shot and stuff. Okay. If you got Hulu, it's free. You should totally watch it. I will it. definitely check it out. I like books. Good old time. We also watched ourselves a movie that we had both always like heard about and heard you know massive acclaim for, but never watched it. Never really even knew anything about it. Dolores Claiborne. Okay. Got that Kathy Bates in there. Got that Kathy Bates, and they're gonna. I think a Jennifer Jason Lee in there. Uh, a really young John C. Riley in there too. Huh. Man, I'll tell you what. That guy's in it's everything. It's not going to be a... Oh, yeah, he is. It's not a fun time <laughs> romp. It's not one of those just like, let's put this on and feel good kind of movies. But That is one I Lord, haven't man. gone back to in a long time. Where was that streaming? I should probably check that out. I think we did it on maybe HBO Max. Okay. I can't remember. Something like that, I think. And, dude, I'll tell you, man, Kathy Bates is a fucking treasure. She's unbelievable. She's amazing. Yeah, love her. Absolutely incredible, man. Her role in that's just fantastic. Really good movie. Really enjoyed it. Again, very, very, very fucking dark, but not as dark as the scariest thing that I saw this week, which is even way beyond St. Maud. <laughs> oh, no. Because I watched the Dark Side of the Ring episode that was dedicated to New Jack. Dude, I that is my favorite episode of Dark Side of the Ring. If you haven't seen it, I mean, New Jack recently, R.I.P., um, yeah yeah he uh the man the man is an absolute genius when it comes to being a wrestling heel and he's my also god yes. a psychotic due to overuse of stimulants oh yeah and is extremely fucked up childhood and stuff man extremely I, yeah i i can't help but think this guy had to be a stone cold sociopath because in most of these Dark Side of the Ring episodes, it's been about somebody that's passed away, somebody that's dead, and can't talk about these stories that they're telling about him. It's all just kind of like secondhand. But with that guy, he was still alive when they filmed it, so they'd tell some fucking horrific story about how he almost killed this guy. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's like, 
whenever he was fighting that one guy who had like fractured his skull a Vic year before. Grimes, yeah. Yeah, and they were fighting up on that huge scaffold above the ring, like 30 feet above yeah. the ring. And he unplanned, unexpectedly throws the motherfucker off of it. He lands in the ring by like a foot. I mean, if he would have hit the ground, he, he would have died yeah. for sure. Absolutely. And then they cut over to New Jack and he's like, Bones yeah, I really away. meant to get him to hit the floor. Yeah, he wanted to murder him. He admits to it. What the fuck, man? It's insane. It's insane. The guy is a lunatic. But he's a genius, insane. too. Like, he, yeah. he, the shit he did in Smoky Mountain Wrestling and ECW is so far above any other heel shit that's ever oh, been yeah. done. Like, he, he, they recreated the Rodney King beating with the Rock and Roll Express or the Midnight Express. What? The fuck? No, it was the Rock and Roll Express. The Rock and Roll Express. Like, this, holy if you don't know anything shit. about wrestling, the Rock and Roll Express, uh, super white, super popular in the South among wrestling fans. And this was in Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which was based in Morristown, Tennessee, where Ben is from yep. ish and where mm -hmm. I'm from ish and where they filmed Evil Dead. And this man was going out in front of crowds who hated black people in general and then recreating the Rodney King beating with two white men they love, coming out with just a baby, a white baby doll with a noose around its neck. Uh, man, like uh, you don't even—I can't even say what he said about the NAACP in Knoxville. Like, oh my god, dude! Jesus, holy it is, shit! He was. Oh my god! Just he—he he said whatever the fuck he knew would like really like piss people off, like, and was not afraid at all. Like no, I mean, he was fearless. Like because when he talked about like after they recreated the Rodney King riot, they had to be like escorted out by police and shit because people yeah, were there had to, to hide kill by them. the cops. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, had bricks in their hands and uh, shit. <laughs> man, Good that episode god, is man. crazy. Crazy. It's nuts. And it's like, I was texting you while I was watching it, and I think I just got into the part where he almost, like, fucking murdered that, like, 17-year-old in the ring, that mass transit kid. Yeah. And I was like, it can't get worse than this. And you're like, oh, just wait until it gets worse than this. <laughs> yeah, it will. And it did. Yeah, and he, did. Stayed, he just stabbed a man, like, ten times in the <laughs> ring. Just stabbed him. show video of it. Just yeah. shaking a guy. <laughs> it's insane. Good God, but man. But also, like, the thing is, like, everything, because, like... All right. Uh, so, Dark Side of the Ring, you gotta remember. You gotta remember with wrestling. Wrestling has always been ahead of us. We think we're smart marks. That's what uh, they're called in the wrestling circles. People who know what's going on and are informed about everything, but are still like into the product. We think we know what's happening, but. Chris Jericho and Jim Ross are both part of AEW. And they are both heavily involved in Dark Side of the Ring. Guess what A&E yeah. &E started showing this year? A&E biography of WWE guys. And this is very oh. much Vince McMahon's counter-programming to Dark Side of the Ring. Oh, they showed their okay. Ultimate Warrior episode before the Dark Side of the Ring Ultimate Warrior episode. So you don't even know how much of this shit is really a shoot. You don't know yeah. if anything that um, that uh, 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 New Jack is saying is real, or is he playing into the character? Was sure. all this shit planned? And like, it, it really does like 
they, they have found ways to recreate kayfabe which is the idea that this is real and everybody mm-hmm. stays in character they found ways yeah, to recreate it in the internet era where everything is seemingly available to you but it's not they're they're not they're not being truthful in every single episode i know this they they cannot be there's no way anyway that episode though is so amazing i, I just love it, it, it tells such a great story which is yeah, does, horrifying man. yeah a horrible story it tells a really horrible horrible story in a great way yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'll tell you what just talking about all this murder and mayhem has just got me plum parched oh yeah Plus, like those sushi sandwiches had some soy sauce got my soy sauce yeah <laughs> i just need something to to get my palate just good and lubricated again that way we can get deeper into this episode you know wow they, I, I, yeah. your palate is really struggling to get words out <laughs> it's just making up new ones left yeah. and right isn't it episode <laughs> well good thing i've got myself a co sour beer it's a sour co beer from urban artifact out of cincinnati ohio this is part of their Epicurean series, which is like their nice limited release stuff. And this is their Buckle Up. I've been excited about this all week. Okay. Their Peanut Butter and Raspberry Jelly Sour, which is brewed with roasted peanuts and raspberries. It's also 8.5%, which is really high for a sour. I This sounds... I, I love a peanut butter stout, but peanut butter with a sour? I'm interested to find out how this goes. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna find out about this and let you know. Oh, also I have an update. So over the past couple of weeks we talked about how like Dead and Lovely uh brewing company is gonna have our signature hose water lager. Obviously. And of course I also pitched my buttermilk stout concept <laughs> a week or so ago. I decided that we need another one okay. to be our sour beer. That's like another taste from our childhood, a taste from the past. Because if you were a kid and maybe you had a code, not a code beer, but just a code, you know, uh-huh, regular code, right? you're feeling a little bit under the weather, what was the most delicious, purplest, best taste and medicine mama would give you? Dimatap. Fucking Dimatap. How about we brew ourselves <laughs> a Dimatap sour? <laughs> give it to me. Let me get a Dimatap sour, please. Damn. Okay, yeah. I like it. Okay, this is really fucking good. Is it? Awesome. It really, dude, like, it's interesting because you know how some beers that have crazy flavors, Mm -hmm. you just really taste everything all at once and it kind of tastes like nothing? Yeah. This is one of those very layered flavors where it's like the tartness of the sour and the raspberry are linked and the peanut butter is totally unrelated to that, if okay. that makes any sense at yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ima- imagine, like, if you took a raspberry and you dipped it in peanut butter and you ate it. Like, it would be tart because of the raspberry, but you'd also have the peanut butter, you know, kind of bigness there backing uh-huh. it up. And it's two separate flavors. It really does taste like that. That sounds awesome. It's pretty awesome. It's a nice kind of raspberry color here, too. Urban Artifact makes some really good stuff. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. You're just drinking yourself a spicy water today, but have you had any other good drinky drinks today? Or this week? Um, whenever? No, I mean, I, you know, Friday night when we had the screaming chat, I was drinking my, my usual Evan Williams Bottled in Bond 100 proof. So good. It's the yeah. best, man. I love it. Well, I'll tell you what, man. Now that I'm getting this palate of mine good and lubricated, 
Uh-huh. I think that it's time to start heading more towards the direction of this episode because we're going to be talking about St. Maud, which, of course, if you know anything about it, you know it's all about religion, That's religion, right. as mm-hmm. it's sometimes known as. You're dealing with things like saints and sinners and good and evil and mm-hmm. angels and, and dimbles and all kinds dimbles of stuff all like over that. The place. Mm, there's dimbles to the left, <laughs> dimbles to the right. I hope nobody listens to our podcast to learn English. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get a bunch of emails being like, I think you might have had a stroke. Yeah, you may have. Steve was laughing at it for some reason. <laughs> He's cold as ice. <laughs> and Steve, I'll tell you what, it's really got me thinking about the existence of my own mortal soul and the condition that it's in. And it's got me wondering, am I a saint or a sinner? Steve, how about we just go ahead and roll this thing towards the old preview Palasi? Welcome to the preview palace. Let's get some downright Gregorian and lovely going on here, right? Gregorian and lovely. When are those guys going to come back? I mean, the 90s fashion and stuff is all coming back. They're going to bring back the Gregorian chant guys <laughs> dude that'd be so sick yeah because all this nostalgia is only going back like a decade or two it's like let's take it way the <laughs> yeah fuck give back, us the man. real shit <laughs> maybe the next like lil nas x song is him like rapping over just like uh, like some gregorian chant action i would love that'd be that cool. i would love that he's cool so he plays with the religious themes cool. and stuff mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely cool <laughs> Steve, where can we go to to maybe take a quiz and find out if we are a sinner or a saint? Well, um, you know, Fuzzbead recently has been acting up, so... Yeah, he has. We decided to go to playbuzz.com. That's right. Mm-hmm. Playbuzz. A thing we knew existed before we Googled sure. for this. Very popular. <laughs> and their quiz here, are you a sinner or a saint? Now, I think I know the answer, Ben, but let's find out what they say. Let's find out about it. We got 10 questions to get through here. And our first one, Steve, is do you laugh at people when they fall? You got three choices here. Mm -hmm. It depends on the person. No, that's mean. And yes, who doesn't? It's hilarious. Well, um, I don't generally. And my wife absolutely loves people falling or uh, people running. I don't know what it is. She'll always just point out some person on the side of the road and be like, look at that idiot running. <laughs> just like, okay. okay. <laughs> so she loves Tom Cruise movies is what you're no, telling me. And they're all comedies to Tom her. Cruise. She refuses to watch any Tom Cruise movies. <laughs> He's he the runningest thing. <laughs> um, but it does depend on the person. Uh, definitely there's some people if they fall. Ha! <laughs> fuck you yeah totally Glad you fell. i'm with you it depends on the person because initially when i read this question i i think i'm like emily in that i love watching people have accidents and and you know flip their skateboards yeah. and do all kinds <laughs> of other funny stuff like most of my instagram feed is mainly like yeah people falling down and i do laugh about it okay but it does depend on the person because i'm just thinking like if I'm walking around and I see, like, an old person fall, man, that's not funny at all. Oh, no. Absolutely not. I, I'm generally, if people fall, I am immediately concerned. Like, I got too much anxiety to laugh at them. Um, so, yeah, in general, uh, no, I don't laugh at people. But it's not because I think it's mean. It's because it, it just doesn't happen. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'll laugh at some people, man. When some dude is just, like, 
cruising down on his extremely loud motorcycle or dirt bike, like popping wheelies in the middle of the street, and, and he, he falls eats off. Shit. Yeah, that's funny. That's what you get. That's yeah, funny. doing that wheelie was optional, yeah, asshole. Yeah, you didn't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, number two. If you found a wallet on the ground with a thousand dollars and an ID in it. ID, not IUD, sorry. An IUD, yeah. If it has an IUD in it, I'm keeping it. Uh, yeah, What totally. do you do? Finders keepers, that money is mine now. I would definitely return it. I might take some of the cash and then return it. Hmm. I think actually the worst choice here is might take some of the cash and return it because it's yeah. just like false, I'm being a good person. That's that's the worst option. Um. I would definitely return it, especially if it has an yeah, ID with same. it. I'm going to find that person because I know there's been many times in my life where like losing $1,000 would equal me having to live on the street that month. So yeah, no, I I'm would not never. putting somebody out like that. I would never. No, no, absolutely. I have returned wallets several times. I'm not the yeah. type of person to, to do that because, yeah, it's just fucky. Like, uh... Yeah, I, I can't see the benefit there for anybody. You're just stealing from someone. <laughs> right? Yeah. All right. Our next question that we have right here is a person holding an empty bowl. It might be a Dickensian orphan saying, please, sir, may I have some more? More? <laughs> That's how I Are you got to give this person money? I might. I must. Or I won't. Uh, I mean, yeah, I must. But like. Also, I don't carry money. I always feel bad because I just never carry money, ever. Yeah, that's kind of the thing, man. And it's really like one of those, one of those deals that like the pandemic and stuff really brought to mind for me. Because of course, living in you know in Knoxville proper, there's a lot of um, um, homeless people and stuff around yeah. here. And I used to carry cash with me a lot when I used to teach in person a lot and get paid in cash a lot. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, I'd give people money and stuff, man. If somebody wants a cup of coffee or somebody wants a fucking beer, yeah, I don't, I don't give a shit, give a shit what they're using out. the money for. Yeah, yeah, I'm. But saying. I just generally don't have cash much anymore, man, and I feel bad about it. Yeah, I, I, I have thought I should start carrying like you know twenty dollars and ones or something to just hand yeah. some people some money because uh, yeah, it, it's uh, you know what's the worst uh, living on the street. Yeah, I can't it's imagine not easy. it's fun. So no, yeah, uh -uh. I, I, I must help. I can't. I can't tell people now just to shake this up i'm gonna say i might because i might if i have money on me ah, and just to make gotcha. answer different i've definitely like uh given people like food i have and stuff emily does totally. that too emily will like if somebody's standing because this happens a lot here in knoxville there'd be people at the off-ramp or whatever with a sign like hey need help if emily's got food or whatever she carries a bag around with like food to give people Nice. Better, yeah. It's a good move. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, you have a test today, but you didn't study at all. Uh -oh. What will you do? Fail and get a bad grade. I could never cheat. Cheat on the test in order to pass. I always study. This would never happen to me. I was always a hardcore studier in school, even as like fucking lunatic busy as I was, especially through my last couple of years of college. Like I always made time to study because yeah, it's my fave. I think I it was like research. one time. Oh yeah, you do, man. Mm -hmm. I think that there was one time in college that I got a C on something. I don't, I think it was maybe a, it's either math or history. Cause it was something that really like blew me away. And I was like, what the fuck? I was so disappointed yeah. in myself, man, because I usually am a hardcore studier. So yeah, I always study. That wouldn't happen. Um, I'll cheat on the test in order to pass. Ooh, look at you. I'll study my ass off 
if I don't remember the the answer to a question and I have ready access to it, I'm gonna fucking look. And you hey, know man, what? You're paying I all that money for student shit. loans and shit. You might as well fucking yeah, pass the class. Exactly. I don't think anyone should give a shit. We have such a weird carceral education system where it's like, you're in jail until you're 18. Like, shut up. <laughs> let, let us communally learn. Tests are stupid anyway. That they are, man. That they are. All right, next question that we have on here. Steve, have you ever driven drunk i'll never tell i would never or yes i have frowny face yeah yes i have frowny face yeah me too big frowny face mm -hmm. there are definitely some times that yep. uh especially again playing shows and partying and stuff like that i have driven home very irresponsibly and i massively massively regret it yep. and i do not recommend it to anybody and i wouldn't yeah, do it again i feel very bad about it yeah yeah i did it a lot as a, a teen which is even scarier because i I couldn't drive well. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, man, that, like, I don't usually go out to bars or restaurants or anything and take it way past my limit and be like, oh, shit, now I got to drive home. Yeah, now, yeah now as an adult, it's really easy, like, for me to just be like, no, nah, I got to drive. No big deal. But, yeah, yeah, as a teen, it was one of those things, like, I got this, because teens are idiots. Yeah, man. But there's something about going out, and, again, this is going to sound like such a fucking lame excuse, but... There's something about going out and playing shows and everybody getting, you know, rowdy and riled up and stuff. It, it really just, like, empowers you in such a way that you're like, yeah, I'll take this fucking shot. Yeah, Whatever. not a problem. Uh-huh. It is a problem. It it's is. a big problem. Yep. I plan on changing my ways where, you know, that's concerned whenever I go back to playing shows where I have to drive out and stuff like that. So that's a, uh, that's a, I've done it and I don't plan on doing it again. no. no. Ben, would you ever lie to a friend in order to protect them? Now, I don't know uh -huh. how I can trust your answer here. Uh-oh. Because lying to you, you may be lying to me in order to protect me. But Ooh. it totally depends on the situation. Yes, of course. I could never lie to a friend. I'm going to say it depends on the situation. Me too. I'm going to say it <laughs> depends on the situation, man. I mean, it's it like, does. am I going to lie if I know somebody's got a surprise party planned for Absolutely. them? Of course I am, you know? Sure. So it depends on the situation to me. It does. I don't. I think you could cut away some things, like yeah, if you're hiding a, a surprise party, etc. I think also lies of omission, like you, you you don't have to tell somebody necessarily that they're being an asshole or that they're this way or that. You can yeah. let it slide. You can be cool to your friend and understand, like maybe they're going through something right now. I don't think yeah. you always have to just speak the absolute truth to people. And a lot of times it's a dickish thing to do. So, mm -hmm, I, mm -hmm. but in general, it's a bad idea to lie to anybody because then you totally. got to keep up with it. And I smoked so much weed, Ben. I could not. I couldn't live a life where I was constantly lying. It would be so hard. You, boy, be, it'd be hard to keep track, I'd man. be racking my brain constantly like, what did I tell this person? <laughs> You'd end up looking like homie and uh, Memento, just fucking notes yes, just written exactly. all over yourself. I have no idea. Told them I was allergic to peanut butter. Can't come to party. <laughs> <laughs> Always best to tell the truth, except for some very particular situations where you're probably just saving someone's feelings. Though, I mean, you know, a lot of people would say, tell the truth all the time. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Whatever. 
I don't know about that. Now we've got ourselves a vital question here. Are you Team Aniston or Team Joe Lee? I guess this is a Brad Pitt question, I suppose. I guess so, yeah. You got Jennifer Aniston, Angelina Jolie, or who cares? The Steve Brule answer. Who cares? It's their relationship. I, I, I'm not, I don't give a shit. What the yeah. fuck? Like Brad Pitt. I don't care. Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston. I have, I have no investment in that. Brad Pitt and Angelina no. Jolie. No investment. I don't give Who a shit. Who cares? No. Never gonna meet them. Doesn't affect me in the least. As long as they're happy and doing their thing, I don't care. But because as I have already, you know, spoken my love of the Friends series, I'm just gonna answer Jennifer Aniston. Well, that makes sense. Just yeah. because. That makes sense. <laughs> um, I, I also like Hollywood relationships are so fake. Like, oh, yeah. they are so fucking fake. Like, it, some may spring organically, etc., but a large portion of them are fake as fuck. So, I'm going to say Christopher Guest and Jamie Lee Curtis. That's real love. That's real love for sure. Because, like, yeah. they're not running out telling everybody, like, get pictures of us, Christopher Guest and Jamie Lee Curtis, out <laughs> on the town. <laughs> Yeah, Ben, have you ever broke up with someone through a text message? No, I've not even dated anybody in the area that I've been texting. You You kidding? I don't think you could. (laughs) Have I ever broken up with someone through a text message? This, I'm sorry. This is gonna take a second of thought. I have dated a few people right now. As you're thinking, if you're hearing a rustling on my microphone, it's because my son turkey has just walked up and requested to sit in my lap so i'm cuddling this little turkey puppy right now as i record this he's just so goddamn fucking cute i'll tell you this so anybody that follows me on instagram they've already seen i've put up like a million pictures of turkey our Uh new puppy on there yeah and uh it's getting kind of ridiculous i think my feed is mostly just turkey pictures now yeah it's fine he's adorable you know he's he's kind of got that like merled kind of calico sort of look about him Uh uh-huh and He's a Pomeranian mix. Like, he's a mix of a mutt and a Pomeranian. But every time I take him out somewhere, there's always some, like, fucking dog whisper and know-it-all on the street that's like, I raised Catahoulas. You got yourself a 100% purebred Catahoula right there for sure. And it's like, he's like fucking eight pounds, you moron. Of course <laughs> not, you know? Now, if people be like, oh, he's an Australian shepherd. I, I raise those things. I know. And it's like, no, he... He really isn't. So <laughs> he's teeny tiny. Yeah. With the help of uh, a suggestion from our friend Brooke, I decided to start making up a fake dog breed to call him. And anytime somebody asks the question of what he is or says they know what he is or whatever, I'm like, actually, he's a miniature Chattahoochee. A Chattahoochee, you say? <laughs> he's a Chattahoochee. Yeah. Boy, down yonder on a Chattahoochee. <laughs> Never knew how much of muddy water meant to me. That's right. Uh, I, ha- I haven't. I don't think I've ever broken up with someone through a text message. Ben, how often do you donate to charity? Ooh. Every chance I get, when I remember, every now and then, never. Okay, so I'm bad about this, but Kate is good at this, and she signs us up for a couple of charitable donations like every month that we're on. Solid. Um, so I'm going to say every now and then. It's not every chance I get because there are a lot of charities that are run by fucking horrible people don't support the salvation army like there's Fuck all kinds the that are army. out there yeah that are hugely like anti-lgbtq and stuff just also awful goodwill fucking people that are sucks. not getting my money they, goodwill sucks goodwill dude. sucks look, look also karm you know and knoxville they can, pay Fuck people, they can pay people with mental disabilities less than minimum wage and they, yeah, and do, they do it yeah fuck them fuck them mm-hmm um, I, I, I 
believe in giving money directly to people, but uh, because exactly what you're saying. Uh, I understand why people do, and there are good charities out there. Just do your research. And hey, it's a tax write-off. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking shit. All right, Steve, have you ever plotted revenge against an enemy? Our final question. I have imagined it, but never went through with it. Yes, and I've followed through with it, or no, I haven't. I have imagined it, but never went through with it. Same, yeah. I've definitely gotten real hot and angry after some shit went down and like For sure. planned out how I could do some shit, but usually, I don't know, man. Usually it subsides, and I just let it go. Same with me. I, yeah, I know you that know? about myself, too, but the, I like... I think when you know certain things about yourself, like you can let yourself go through it. Like if you know you don't actually want to do anything, it's real fun to let yourself be angry. To just yeah. have that anger, experience it, and then be like, mm, you know what? That would suck. I don't want to do that. Then but to you can like exercise pretend your creativity. You don't... Yeah, exactly. You get to exercise your creativity. <laughs> but to pretend like that you're not angry or like it's not a big deal or whatever, I'm I'm not that type of person. I'm gonna live yeah, through totally. it and then just be like, nah. Yeah. And we know what our homegirl mod says, don't let good pain go to waste. Exactly. Right? Thanks, Mod. Um, so Ben, I'm a healthy mix of both, it says here. Oh really? I'm apparently a hundred percent angelic. What's your explanation? Uh, the truth is that we're guilty of behaving a bit naughty, but you have the ability to keep the bad behavior under control. Well, thank you. I guess I do. So nice. mm -hmm. None of Very us good. are perfect, but you balance your mischievous side with your well-behaved side perfectly. While you don't necessarily break the rules, you certainly bend them. You do your mm. best to help others whenever you can and are always there to support your family and friends. You're an honest person and you know how to let loose and forget about the rules every once in a while. Well, hmm. that's a pretty pretty accurate description. Pretty sure. accurate right there. Huh. Tell us about how yeah. you're a full-on saint. Uh, yeah, apparently it says, your halo is on straight and your moral compass is constantly pointed in the right direction. <laughs> that's what they towards say. Towards Jennifer Aniston, I guess. That, that was probably it, honestly. <laughs> when it comes to making decisions, you let your conscience be your guide and ensure that your actions do not harm others around you. I am pretty conscious about not fucking anybody else over when I can, man. Sure, you may be guilty of breaking the rules once in a while, but the truth is you'd rather do what's right instead of taking the easy way out or hurting others. You're a kind soul with a big heart, an average-sized penis, and are quick to help <laughs> those in need. I don't... What? Okay. I mean, it's again, it's not wrong. Wow. All right. Keep up the good work. You're making the world a better place. Well, that's just nice. That is nice. That was nice that's of them nice. to say to you. I think so, man. Well, very good. Now we know exactly where we stand we are fine people. Definitely not sinners. Definitely no wicked people here that no, Mod is going to get mad at. <laughs> no, Mod would Mod would definitely like us, I think. I don't know. <laughs> she doesn't seem to like a whole lot of people. No, no. I just wish that at some point in the movie, somebody would have said, Fuck that shit. Here comes Mod." <laughs> <laughs> she comes walking in it. on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck that shit, here goes Maud. Ah! <laughs> well, let's get on to the subject of today's show. St. Maud from, I believe, 2019, and then kind of released 2020, and yeah, then yeah, yeah. mostly everywhere 2021. <laughs> yeah, this is one where, well, I mean, you know, uh, this, this is the pretty common thing now is everything, you know, go through a film festival that'll give us our, our first date, and then usually 
they spend about a year building it, hyping it up, etc., before they actually release it in the theater. Um, and in this case, they released it, uh, you know, kind of reluctantly because COVID had come along. So they had bought it, and then they were going to release it in the summer, and then COVID, and then they pushed it back, and then they were like, well, October, we'll dump it in October. That's the best place to put horror movies, I guess. Um, and yeah, so it didn't really, ma- it made like 1.4 million in the box office, but this is one of those movies that would made a lot more if it had been normal times for sure. Oh yeah, man. Cause this is the kind of movies that I would have absolutely loved to have watched over at downtown West cinema art house theater yeah, in uh, West Knoxville. This just seems like the kind of movie that I would see there on a whim and then just have to tell everybody about. I uh, I really enjoyed this movie, man. Whenever I started seeing the hype come out around it, I was, you know, of course, skeptical because there's been so many things where it's just <laughs> like, oh, man, especially if it's like the newest religious horror movie will have you questioning your faith and sleepless for weeks. Like, uh, what's that one that we fucking did? The Lodge or whatever? The Lodge, right, yeah. That. Yeah, and it's like, that movie just kind of sucked. It wasn't scary. <laughs> it didn't yeah. freak me out at all, but like... I got really hyped for it because it seemed right up my yeah, alley. Yeah, exactly the type of thing I wanted. It's from the directors of Goodnight Mommy, which is a movie that's fucked up and enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the expectation was high, and then, yeah, the payoff was low. Here, totally. I didn't really have many expectations, but anytime, you know, it's St. Maud. I knew it was a religious horror. Anytime it's religious horror, immediately I'm a little turned off because I, I don't, like, I don't have any sort of fear associated with religion. But mm-hmm. this one did a great job of actually finding my fears associated with religion, which is... Ah, nice. Uh, religion uh, has a lot of basis in mental illness. And religious ecstasy and religious experience is indistinguishable from mental illness or uh, drugs. Like... yeah. All those things can be the exact same. So, my real fear with religion is that it's a it's mental illness. It is like yeah. a, an enforced mental illness on people. And sure. yeah, so no. this, this movie did it for me. It really was like, oh fuck yeah, right. Like a good intention, a person with good intentions could be misled to do terrible things because of. Oh this. yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure that's never happened in history, though, right? No, Where, yeah, no, you couldn't possibly find any instances of no. mental illness and religion causing devastating problems. Yeah. No, somebody hearing the voice of God in their minds and instructing them to do terrible things, I bet that hasn't ever happened. So there's no reason to be scared of it, right? <laughs> right. So, yeah, no, okay. th- this one did it. Like, this one did it for me. I really, um, I really enjoy because, like, I... She she's a convert to religion. I was once a convert to religion. I know yeah. that feeling of wanting it to be right and yeah, trying sure. to find every way for it to be right. I get that. So like it it, it I was it, it got me in a way that I think like The Exorcist kind of gets people. Like we've talked sure. about The Exorcist and I think that's a great film, but like to me religiously it's like eh, it doesn't do anything. But this this really hits at a, a weak point for me. Yeah, I totally get that, man, because you're right. Whenever you're dealing with things that are literally angels and demons and stuff, you can just sit back in your chair and be like, well, that's 
not yeah, real, so this yeah. isn't scary. Yeah, yeah. so it doesn't it's really like bug me at all. Or a vampire, like yeah, what's exactly, man. But with this, whenever you're dealing with somebody who is going through some sort of mental illness, we'll talk about exactly our ideas about we'll what's going on there later on. Be, yeah. And interpreting it as the voice of God instructing them and guiding them and stuff like that, that that gets really scary. And as a as a formerly religious person myself, uh, you know, who has many memories mm-hmm. of hearing that voice in your mind yeah. telling you where to go or what to do or or what the right thing to do would be. I remember convincing myself that that was an exterior force. Yep. And, and no matter, now I realize no matter the it, result, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. No matter yeah, the result totally. of, of following it, you found a way to make it make sense, right? Yeah, man. No matter what it was, it's always you learned something by following that. And it really was just uh, an instinct or an inkling yeah. of a thought that you gave too much credit to. Well, I mean, or, you know, the fact that human beings do just have an internal moral compass that tells yeah. them not to kill people and exactly. stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how true that is because we do have people that, that don't have that. Well, of course, of but course. it's definitely like New Jack, <laughs> <laughs> like maybe New Jack. It's definitely one of those things where, like, yeah, I, I uh, you know, the, so many things that you would do that might be wrong. It is so far deeply ingrained in you to just not do that thing that you totally. your conscience goes, no, don't do that. That's a bad idea. Right. Yeah, this movie, dude, I, I watched the trailer for it, and I was really interested because, I mean, it's A24, and I, I generally like yeah, they make good most stuff. all A24 horror stuff, and it looked like it had that religious bend, but it also looked very visually stunning. Uh-huh. I was really excited about it from the trailer, but I tried to not let myself get too worked up about it because I was like, ah, this is the same thing that happened with like The Lodge and some other flicks that we've watched. I'm not going to get super fired up about it right so i went into it you know with my expectations high but managed Mm -hmm. and man it it fucking delivered dude so one thing about this movie that surprised me as soon as i started it up is to see that the runtime is actually pretty brief it's like an hour 24 start to finish yeah i think the film itself like is is about an hour 19 like taking out credits or whatever and taking out the opening you know uh, production title cards it's about an hour 19 it's tight never overstays its welcome no scene seems extraneous everything seems to just move the story along get to the point and fucking super effective i agree i can't really think of anything that you could remove from this movie to make its flow better or to make it more effective or to you know, say anything better. Like, I don't think there's really any editing that could be done here. And seeing that kind of succinct um, thought process going into filmmaking is especially impressive whenever you consider the fact that this is the director's first full-length movie. Yeah, Rose Glass is her first full-length feature film. And this is, like, this is well done. Like, uh, super well done. Not... Yes. Like, you go back and look at, say, like, uh, Darren Aronofsky's Pie. I loved it when I saw it back in the day. I was like, oh, wow, I like what he's doing here. You go back and watch it now, it's like, oh, this is slow as hell. Like, it's missing so much. It's a student film. This is is a director's film. This is someone who knows what they're doing. They've got it figured out. 
and and they've got a vision and they've fully executed it here in, in an hour and 20 minutes which is i agree just man. great i totally agree and i'm gonna give it the highest stamp of approval that i can and say it's pretty good for a girl <laughs> right right yeah you could tell she she didn't have a penis the whole time she was directing <laughs> you know the cameras won't work unless you stick your dick in them right of course obviously they're made by men for men we know how this works I'm also just so happy to see a a hopefully emerging, you know, superstar from a female voice in the world of horror. Yeah, because over the past that. ten years or so, I mean, obviously Ari Aster and Jordan Peele and some of these other guys that we've uh, got that are delivering some incredible horror flicks, that's great and I'm super stoked about it. But if we can have another female director telling stories like this from the female perspective, um fuck yeah. Yeah, you got like uh you know the Baba Duke and and uh stuff like yeah. that. But mm-hmm. like yeah, we we need more more of these voices. And yeah, and th- this also is a, you know, a, this is a queer movie as well. We have uh the Amanda and Carol's relationship and obviously Maud's interest in a relationship with with yeah. Amanda. Like, right? It's like definitely very there. obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is this is uh, a lot uh, in such a, like, again, tight package. It really, like, just gets the story out. It really, like, brings us into each of the characters. I mean, Maud's the loneliest girl in the world. Uh, Amanda is second, basically. She's dying of, of uh, it, terminal spinal lymphoma. Which sounds like an absolute curse from God for a dancer. Like, Uh she can no longer do any of those awesome things we see her doing on the videos and stuff. Like, it it is, you can see how if you're mod and you do this thing where you misinterpret everything in a religious fashion, uh, how you, you could see like, oh, maybe this is my chance. Like, God has obviously cursed her with this. This is my chance to come in and teach her about god and maybe uh convert her and whatnot like, save her soul yeah save her soul yeah it, it's i mean the the way that the relationships all play out and again it's mostly Maud and amanda but we get so many other characters that are fleshed out quickly enough like carol's there pretty long she's the woman that amanda pays to have sex with her who is gorgeous yeah. Uh, Joy is the other nurse that Maude runs into. Like, her character is so fully fleshed out in just, like, little Warner moments. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just so quick. And, like, some of the stuff she says is, like, totally muted. Like, we're supposed to be experiencing it from Maude's perspective, and she's just not hearing her. And But still, we get who this character is. Like, yeah, just so many. Even even the, uh, the nurse that replaces Maude with Amanda... We get that conversation between Maud and her, and we learn so much about her all again in just these real quick moments and quick conversations. Oh, yeah, with no, like, exposition dumps happening either. Right, except for the well-done exposition dumps that are the prayers. Yeah, right? That's something about this movie that I thought was really fucking cool, and I only caught on to it maybe, like, half an hour or so into the movie, is that Maud herself is narrating the movie but it's not her narrating it from the perspective of like dear diary today i did this and this nor is it past tense you know and then i went back to the house it's not that kind of storytelling the narration is actually 
her prayers, right. her messages to God, trying to make sense of what happened that day, what's going on, how she can reach this person and stuff. What a fucking cool idea for the narration to actually just be her prayers. Yeah, because a prayer is supposed to be this. It's supposed to be you dumping all of this. It's supposed to be you getting out these certain ideas and thoughts and basically narrating to yourself the day which yeah. is kind of why it sort of works in making people feel better <laughs> because yes. if you just do that for yourself you kind of calm down you realize like oh maybe i misinterpreted that or maybe i didn't understand this etc it's a great way of uh, uh going about the end of your day it's also uh, it called is. meditation it, like you don't have to yeah. be talking to anybody you can just recognize that that's what you're doing you know that's usually what i do whenever i'm trying to go to sleep i lay down on the pillow there and i do oftentimes just kind of go through my day from start yep. to finish and you're right it does help you kind of process and understand things better and feel feel great the next day it, it like if you avoid religion entirely in your life you cannot avoid the actual real life implications of of meditation and prayer and stuff that i don't believe there's a god i don't think anyone's talking to anyone when they're praying but the benefit is still there so sure, yeah even if the calls come from inside the house it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the benefit is still there so i i would never tell anybody don't pray don't meditate do it it's normal stuff to go back through your day to to go back through your life to go back through moments and try to understand what was going on uh, it it's murky and bad when you start thinking that the things you're thinking like when you're reflecting back on your day or your week or whatever's going on in your life when you start to think the things you're thinking are the voice of God, <laughs> yeah, you start to think yeah. they're an all-knowing, all-powerful entity that knows exactly what you need to hear. That might not be beneficial. That's overall. a bad. Yeah, that's probably not good. Yeah, I really dig that narrative style. And the thing about this movie, just like any other flick is, it's only as strong as its players. Yeah. And I wasn't really familiar with anybody in the cast of this movie. So I didn't have any of those like, oh, it's a Tony Collette movie. She kicks ass. Like, I had no expectations about anybody here. And everybody blew my fucking mind. Everybody has a performance that is nuanced and human and fantastic and extremely believable to me. Yeah, I think you give Morvid Clark enough roles. You might... What a cool name. Yeah, you might get a Tony colette type of relationship with her because she she's so good in this um i yeah i I looked up i've seen pride and prejudice and zombies which she's in and she's also in crawl but i didn't remember her in crawl because it's mostly just yeah she's like a minor character yeah main character and her dad she played the crocodile she was the crocodile the whole (laughs) fun actually that's a amazing then she did a great job (laughs) nailed it she is in the upcoming Lord of the Rings show on Amazon, she is playing no shit. Galadriel. Oh, shit. I can absolutely see that yeah, working. 100%. She's got that, like, otherworldly look and whatnot. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. She's great. Uh, Jennifer Ely, I have seen in stuff as well, but... Uh, Which one's she? Is she Amanda? Yeah. she She's okay. in, like, uh, The King's Speech and all sorts of other movies. She's also... I mean, the biggest series or franchise she's in is the Fifty Shades franchise, but... She's in so much stuff. Okay. So yeah, both of them though are they're, 
they're not like they have not been huge stars up to this point but i think they prove here they could be they absolutely yeah. could be given the right roles because they they fucking nail it yeah and the movie really revolves around those two characters there's some other like little satellite characters here and there but it's really about those two and their relationship and how um, as you said, Maud is trying to save her soul before Amanda passes into the next world and stuff. And Amanda is a non-religious person that she you know just wants to enjoy her is, time. Yeah, and and the thing about it is too is like even though you know her character is an atheist and stuff, it doesn't mean that she's just like fucking kill me, put me in the trash can. I don't give a shit. Like she's scared about her own uh, mortality. She's scared about finding out what's going to happen when she dies. I mean, that's It's entirely unknown, right? That's yeah, exactly, man. So she's going through her own struggles, which Maud again sees into and sees this is the perfect time for her to save this person, unlike this other person in her past that she couldn't save, where it's revealed through some flashbacks and stuff that I guess she was a nurse and it seems like probably accidentally killed somebody doing chest compressions trying to save them. Like, she saved them to death. Yeah, which but is, she, she would probably wow. have died anyway. Like, she was flatlining. They they were, oh, yeah. you know, uh, pumping uh, air into her lungs and also performing, uh, yeah, chest compressions. And her, her chest caves in. And <laughs> I'm sure we have nurse listeners. You've broken ribs before, you know. Uh, it's Yikes. part of it. It's part of doing chest compressions, but for this person to be so brittle, so yeah. e fragile that she actually caves her entire chest in, there's no, there's no way she's responsible. And this is something Joy kind of gets at. Like she's not, mm -hmm. she, it's not her fault. But how could she possibly, after caving in someone's chest, how could she possibly feel like it's not her fault? Sure. So this this is really her seeking redemption, like you know, before she would she was going out drinking, uh, having sex, etc. She was just doing normal stuff, enjoying her life, and now she feels this intense guilt and this need to get past it. She's a recent convert to Catholicism, and also she some went all in. She's all in. all in, but also something is going on with her. That yeah. is beyond simple, like, uh, I accidentally uh, caved a lady's chest in. Um, Yeah, and I wonder about that. And I love, too, that with this movie, the way that it times some of these revelations. Like, whenever the movie starts, you spend the first hour or so just assuming this is Maud and this is how Maud has always been. Right. And then you find out her name's not even Maud. No, it's and Katie. then you find, <laughs> yeah, and you find out that, like, Oh, it's not like she was raised religious or anything. Like, she's a recent convert and Very has already recent, yeah. been this hardcore. Like, I love that revelation that comes where you're just like, oh, shit. Like, she's new to this and she is this extreme into it. But the thing is, dude, is like... I've been there. I don't know about you. I've known people that are like that. I I've was known like people, that. I, yeah. Dude, yeah, man. And it's just like, I've known people that go out... And rage and party and drink and do drugs and do whatever. And then the next time you see them, they're just like, I want to tell you about the good the good word and the that, good book and blah, blah, blah. That it's was just me. like, damn. That was that's me, a 180. Man. I, was doing, I was doing drugs like crazy, man. I was having a, a whole lot of fun, except I wasn't. I was very depressed. 
and yeah. needed answers and wanted answers and that's what religion provides sort of except <laughs> what if you have anxiety and you become religious guess what you're gonna look for the bottom you're looking mm. for where does the doctrine stop having answers and mm-hmm. when you find that you it all falls apart so <laughs> yeah uh and so you know i i was mormon uh if you do any research into mormon doctrine you find out it's deep as fuck yeah it has its bottom and it's all shit uh, it it's real hard i think when you're looking for those answers and you think you found them you want to go all in and mm-hmm. then with Maud here with Katie she's got something going on something uh, different yeah. something pushing she, her she does and i wonder i wonder too man with her issues and stuff if whenever we see it the very first of the movie the aftermath of that yeah chest caving in and she's you know laying on the floor covered in blood and she sees that beetle and hears the voice of god or whatever yeah like is this the first break that she has had or Maybe she has been living her entire life with some sort of undiagnosed illness and she has been trying to fill it every possible way that she can. Whether that means by being promiscuous and drinking and stuff, as we find out that she has been, or whether it's becoming a nurse and literally trying to save people's lives and accidentally killing them in the process. Mm -hmm. I just wonder, like, was that the breaking point? Was was Katie normal before then? I kind of doubt it personally. I okay, so I d- I did some research just trying to think of what they were going for. I first assumed schizophrenia, uh, but the real problem there is when she experiences God's presence, which is something mm-hmm. that happens uh, four or five times throughout, where she basically just is having an orgasm. Yeah, totally. Well, she talks about feeling feeling God inside of her and yeah. stuff too. So, I, I did some more research, and what it probably is is epilepsy. Okay, it's interesting you mentioned that, because I was kind of thinking the same thing. There's, of course, that very like pivotal moment in the movie where she comes back to her apartment after that night of raging and stuff, and there's super bright, super intense flashing lights, fireworks going on outside of her window. Yeah. And at that point is when she has that total you know, spaz out. She's like throwing up and foaming at the mouth and then she like levitates and shit. And it's just like, oh, this seems like this is probably an epileptic seizure going on. Yeah, epilepsy doesn't normally cause levitation, but we do have to remember <laughs> that throughout the film, we're being shown the the world through Maud's perspective. We right. only get uh, about a quarter of a second of the real world at the very end. Uh, which yeah, is a gorgeous reveal. It, oh my god. It's so dark, but also I loved it. This is an unreliable narrator narrator movie um, that I don't think ever hides it. Like, it's not one of those movies where it's like, at the end, it's like, you thought that was real? Fuck you. Like, I hate those fucking movies, and Me man. too. It, it is constantly letting you know, like, mods not to be trusted, and we're kind of... She's actually, not well. Yeah, there... There is a moment that the movie makes it real clear, other than the levitation moment, which is obviously her, you know, she was experiencing, maybe feeling like she was out of her body, but that that's not what happened. She does, when she goes to uh, the seaside at one point, 
she sees a guy playing a violin and walks yeah. past him and then uh as she's walking past he's no longer in the background so he was never there oh there are other moments where it's just like oh just these little huh. small things like the you know the levitation bit where it's just like oh okay so we're getting an unreliable narrative from mod hmm mod that's interesting i didn't notice that mod's a potential epilepsy I, a lot of people are thinking oh, okay well how does epilepsy explain all of these things one epilepsy and, and religious experience are pretty well tied in <laughs> have been since the mm. 19th century pretty well understood that the temporal lobe uh stimulation can cause religious experience uh, with epileptic seizures there are it is a thing called ecstatic epilepsy that can cause uh, beyond religious experiences orgasms. So no shit, just like spontaneous. Yeah, yeah. Part part of the epilepsy is is an orgasmic experience. So whoa, it's just like total nervous system. Yeah, yeah. Freak out, basically. Yeah, yeah. It's not like uh, it is an orgasmic experience. I uh, assume it's an unpleasant one. As it's being forced be. on yeah. you. <laughs> it's yeah. something that's happening outside of your control. But it is something that's happening to her. And I, I, I think that is probably it. Uh, which then means it's not... I mean, it is a mental illness in the sense that it is leading her to misinterpret reality. But Very it is a so. physical illness. Epilepsy is a physical illness. She She's just yeah. getting these particular symptoms of epilepsy that all fit into religious experience. Well, and that's the scary thing is like as a religious person, that is her explanation for it. If she was an atheist or something, she might be like, something's going on yeah, here. She'd that's go not to good, a doctor but... and be like, what is the answer? What is happening here? Why is this yeah. going on? Yeah. Exactly. Well, it's the kind of thing where it's like, in the right hands, religion gives you the answers to everything that's going on. In the wrong hands, religion gives you the answers to everything that's going on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that, and that's always going to be the problem in regards to religion, is that it's purporting to have all the answers. Yeah. And it's yeah. purporting to have had those answers for over 2,000 years. So... Uh, no, <laughs> no, not <laughs> Maybe possible. Not, not possible. <laughs> yeah, man, this uh, this movie is such a cool thing because you can watch the entire thing through a few different lenses. You can watch the movie as everything that's going on really is going on, and it's a supernatural, crazy fucking movie. You can watch it as a movie about mental illness, you know, which is, I think, what it really, really is. I think at the end of the day, this is just a movie about someone struggling with mental illness and finding answers right. whichever way that they can um, and how that can be a a very destructive thing in the wrong hands. Yeah, it can be very destructive in the wrong hands. And ben, I, th I think we have to talk about religious ecstasy because this I'm saying religious ecstasy, which is a way to refer to it in... Catholicism, uh, you know, yeah. every religion has its own version of some sure, form yeah, of yeah. religious ecstasy, either through meditation or through like uh, uh, whirling dervish guys. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say, of, yeah, uh, 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 persistent exercise. They they'll like over exercise to the point of causing chemical reactions in the brain that make you feel 
religious experience. Uh, there, there's yeah, yeah. Some... And this is very well documented in the arts and stuff like that. Like you can just look up the ecstasy of said religious figure, and there's probably a statue of it. Yeah. So religious ecstasy, or it's also in the Catholic encyclopedia, also called supernatural ecstasy. Ah, I had some of that at Bonnaroo one time. <laughs> it, had, it had like one of the dudes from Supernatural stamped on it. Jared Padalecki. <laughs> That's was right. On it, it made the fish show so long and boring. <laughs> it made it that Didn't way, even or was it yeah. that way? <laughs> it was just that. Yeah, it was just that way. Let's be honest. Uh, so yeah, th- this idea of of religious ecstasy basically it is it is reaching this point of. Uh, Either a drug-like feeling, or for Maud, it's an actual sexual feeling of yeah. of uh, you're you're basically uh, stripping away yourself, like mm-hmm. by 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 focusing on anything but yourself, meditation, prayer, whatever. By focusing on anything but yourself, you're you're making yourself feel outside of yourself. And your brain has certain reactions to that, which yeah. can feel like a very particularly strong religious experience where you think An this out of body experience. Exactly. Yeah. This can't be coming from me, you're assuming. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it is. It's your brain. Your brain does that. It's a, your brain is amazing. It does all sorts of amazing things. And one of Thank them you. is make you believe that potentially there is a supernatural being giving you information. Right. That did used to happen from time to time. Yep. It's true. 100% still happens all the time now. People still, uh, you know, you, you can watch... The evangelicals speak in their tongues and uh, shake around, etc. You can... uh, Mormons strongly believe in uh, personal revelation. In the the Mm -hmm. Holy Spirit revealing things to you. Very strongly. To the point of, like, people will be engaged to be married and uh, one of them will pray and feel like, Oh, I don't think this is the right thing to do. Breaking it off. Like... To the level of just seriously life-changing, altering events occurring from just someone praying and having a certain feeling in their head. I mean, if it was me, I'd be using that all the time, being like, you know, I had a revelation and it's pizza night again. Oh, are you Joseph Smith? <laughs> I would use that for pizza night as many times as I could. That's Joe the Smith true power. didn't use it for pizza night. He used it for <laughs> wives, but pretty similar. <laughs> that is exactly you know, it I mean that that's what Joe Smith was doing Joseph Smith was being like my wife I'm sorry but an angel came to me and said he was gonna kill me and you if I don't marry this 14 year old so you know there yeah. you go so what can it, you do about it basically when people have experienced religious ecstasy or religious experience of some sort this feeling of being outside your body that you associate with a higher being other people have used that exact feeling to manipulate well yeah and because the thing is is like how can you prove to somebody that didn't happen exactly exactly yep and then that's exactly what like Maud and amanda run into is that amanda Amanda wants, she's lonely. As I said, they're both lonely. She wants Maud's company. Maud's an attractive lady. She's 
you know, reasonably engaging and whatnot. Amanda just wants her to be near her. So she yeah. pretends to have religious experiences. Yeah. And it's it's like kind of halfway mocking her and halfway like let's just see what happens because one thing that she says is like it's incredibly boring dying like she's bored man and lonely you'd have to be you'd have to be and when you know there's an expiration date every moment you'd be like i wish something was happening yep so yeah i i completely understand amanda in this she did not understand how deeply troubled mod is yeah i don't think she she took mod's extremity quite seriously enough i i think from her perspective she didn't know just how fucked up this could get so it probably seemed like a spot of fun yeah. and a little bit of entertainment in her otherwise very drab life um so that's kind of her bad <laughs> it, i mean but like you know it's like yeah, how do you expect this? How do you expect that there's going to be someone who falls in love with you, but because of their religion, can't possibly believe that they're in love with you, so they believe that it's God telling them they have to change you to make right. your death better? Well, that's the thing that I got out of it, too, is that, you know, Maud seeing a man does lust for life, her embracing her sexuality, her partying and drinking and smoking and doing the things that she did, I think that Maud saw those things in herself. Yes. And was like, if I can save this other person from doing the things that I want to, therefore I will be saving myself and absolving myself of these sins. I think she saw a lot of elements of her past life in Amanda. For sure. And I, you know... We don't get a sense of her being necessarily unhappy before she accidentally caved a lady's chest in. Yeah, it's all blank. We don't know nothing about her family, where she grew up, how she grew up. We don't know Exactly. She may have loved the life she led before, before that moment fucked her up. Or she may have the entire time struggled with it and been like, I kind of hate this, I want to get out of this, and this may have been the catalyst to just be like, Oh, here's here's a moment I can find because I I can again like from my own experience. Nine eleven was that catalyst for me, where it was like, mm-hmm. oh, this is a hugely traumatic national event that's really making me reflect on everything in my life, and I'm not happy with my life, and I'd like to find some answers. Like that, I didn't know that was the turning point. Yeah, Interesting, it was. Yeah, I I got huh. baptized a month after that. So, whoa, I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So, like, huh. I, I, I think that what, you know, is going on with Maud is is maybe this just, like, onset. Because uh, epilepsy can have a later onset in your, your 20s or 30s or whatever. Yeah. It's this late onset thing where she's having a real experience. Like, that's the to thing. Her it where, is, yeah. Yeah, where I'm saying, like, it's hard to, like... Epilepsy can have mental side effects, but it is a physical disease. Or not yeah. disease, but a physical disorder that is causing sure. real physical uh, feelings and characteristics that if they suddenly started happening in your life shortly after you became Catholic, how could you not Seems associate? Seems to fall right in. Exactly. Yeah. How could you not associate that? Yeah. 
you must be like, I'm Catholicking really good God, I'm because Catholic-ing I'm fucking so seeing angels fucking and hard. <laughs> talking to God and shit. Like, I'm nailing it, dude. Okay, so again, as I said, that 9-11 was the catalyst for me. I had also been taking acid regularly for two years before that point. So okay. the feeling of that re- religious experience that I was having was that. It was LSD. It was the same feeling. I was following that. I was pursuing that. Mm-hmm. So again, like, uh, is she was she having those feelings, and then Catholicism like kind of brought them out more because you know right. prayer, as we said, does have that effect. And she was like, "Oh, I need to follow this." Oh yeah. Well, the thing about her is too is like I think just based on what I've seen from the movie and everything, in addition to, you know, possibly there being the epileptic thing that you're talking about, I think that in her life and in her life before the movie began, she clearly is a person of extremes and a person with an addictive personality. True, yeah. That, again, is so common to see because I've known so many people that, like I said, go from one extreme to the other, trying to fill that void with something. And... In Maud's case, I think that, based on what we know, I think that she had a real appetite for self-destruction in a lot of ways. I mean, with what we know about her going out, and again, there's nothing wrong with going out and having a one-night stand and getting drunk. There's no fucking problem with that. Getting drunk, having sex, whatever. Yeah, that's all normal stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but we get the impression that she might have been behaving with reckless abandon and overdoing everything like... A lot. But again, that also could just be warped by her now religious view because... Totally. Again, from my own experience, I can say when I became religious, I looked back on things I had done and I was horrified. What a heathen I was. Now when I look back on it, I'm like, no, there's nothing to be horrified about. That's normal stuff. Right. Yeah. Totally, man. And then, you know, she, she goes over to the side of Catholicism and takes that to such an extreme that she is also, again, engaging in self-destruction with the way that she has her... Oh my god, dude! Her self uh, self harming habits and stuff in this movie. That yeah. Oh man, she does some really creative DIY Pinterest um, home shoe modifications. <gasps> oh. oh my god, dude! I, I, uh, although Mick I'll tell you Foley this, man, would be in, a, <laughs> in just an <laughs> absolute awe of this person. Like, oh no, dude! I think you know what we should do. Oh my god. We have to do this. We have to make a super cut of all the parts of this movie where she's like kneeling on the popcorn kernels or putting on the thumbtack shoes overlaid with Jim JR. Ross. Oh, yes. my God. oh my God. <laughs> I'll have to try to get that out. Yep. And the crowd just going nuts. ECW chants ECW. everywhere. ECW. ECW. <laughs> the thumbtacks. Oh my God. He's dead. He's dead. <laughs> It just makes so much fucking yeah, sense. Although really I will does. say that scene where she's kneeling down to pray on those popcorn popcorn kernels, she should have just stood on some Legos, right? Ooh, ooh, just buddy. a bunch of Legos and just stomp them for yeah, your prayers. Yeah, that sounds terrible. She does that stuff. She burns herself on the stove. Eye. She has. I love that man. moment because of uh, uh, you know, as we've said a couple times, the end of this movie is her self-immolating. Yeah. And um that moment she briefly puts the back of her hand on that the the hot stove eye and then goes ah! Yeah, like ouch. So like 
so like when she then is on fire and it's showing us with people bowing down to her and she's just like on fire but like oh so nice she's on fire yeah, in a good way. She, yeah she's like jamming from half court uh, <laughs> when that's happening i was like no i knew like no that's not and, and then like it cuts to that brief it really is like a quarter of a second of reality of her on fire screaming yeah dude oh my god it's so like because they set it up with that slight burn like how much pain she'd really be in like oh oh my god man that's one of those just fucking i can't even fucking imagine things no. and the cool thing about her like uh, this is a fucked up sentence the cool thing about her self-harm right <laughs> right <laughs> if you think about it it's almost like she was working on her own set of stigmata she has hand wounds, yes. feet wounds. She complains about a, a pain in her guts and stomach, like in her side or some shit earlier, too. It's like she's kind of creating, and again, this goes along with her entire philosophy, she's creating these religious experiences herself. Absolutely. Absolutely. She's, she, that, I mean, that's why the title is so perfect, Saint Maud. Like, um, you know, it's only said in the movie derisively. It's yeah. said as like a joke on her. So the title is kind of like a joke on her. It's like she is no saint. She is not the thing she envisions herself to be in the end. She's a yeah. murderer. <laughs> like she she followed the wrong feelings basically and that that's kind of like this big indictment on religion that if religion is focused entirely on these types of experiences and feelings you can easily be led to murder it's yeah. in the old testament it's all, all over it all over the place <laughs> yeah and many other holy books too the book of the quran everything absolutely they'd yeah. be murdering everybody in these holy books y'all everybody yep that's everybody man yeah and so the, yeah the, this um this really gets at the root of like can can religion be good ba basically this movie says like religion can be good for a lark in the moment <laughs> like it can be good mm. in a moment when you want to feel a connection with another person so you buy into what they're selling yeah but totally it in the end it leads to destruction well, it's interesting, too, because even though this movie has so much in common with some other A24 movies and movies we love, like Black Hood's Daughter and Black stuff Hood's like Daughter. that. Black Hood's Daughter, absolutely, yeah. It's really got more in common with frailty than anything. Yes! You know, somebody's oh, saying they're I'm hearing the voice of up. God. I didn't right? even think it's, about it's that. It's totally right there in line with it in a lot of ways. Even though it looks, feels, reads completely different, there's actually a lot of common ground a between lot. these two movies. Yeah. Yeah, just that concept of, like, we can believe that she's right because we see her have those experiences. And yeah. it's like, if you, re if you really just buy into the movie as you're watching it without any knowledge of what's happening, you can really see, like, oh, shit, maybe she is having these experiences. And then when we see Amanda suddenly turn into a demon, it's like, oh, well, then it all makes sense. Oh my god, dude. Exactly like that frailty. That shit made me fucking jump out of my seat because there had been 
so little like actual you know supernatural stuff going on in the movie and then i mean you have the scene between those two and i think amanda's like well i'm glad that's done or that wasn't so hard or something like that and then holy fuck dude it just it was like large marge all over again where it's like didn't expect this shit whoa yeah yeah. it was brutal and and like i as i said i didn't feel that it was real that it was like actually what was happening but it doesn't matter what you feel in that moment it's still oh, yeah. scary it's as what's shit happening to her because it comes yeah. out of nowhere it's like oh, wait dude. what because it, it's like I, I don't know five minutes to the finish too yeah that this is right happening. at the finish line and that's that's one of those things man i will say about this movie as as a complaint. And it's not even a complaint about the movie. It's a complaint about the marketing. Because the trailers and the marketing for this are saying, like, it's the scariest fucking movie ever made. People peed their pants in the fucking parking lot after they watched this. And it's like, it's really not a scary movie. And if you're going into this waiting for jump scares and scares left and right... Not gonna get them. Yeah, and you'll miss how fucking cool this movie is. Exactly. <laughs> Because it's not really about that. It is a slow burn movie that is all about atmosphere and environment and this just sort of like sense of things not being right. It's not really all that scary, honestly. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. But I, it also, it stuck with me because Good of Lord, yes, because of the ending. Because the ending brings it all together. Like you, you. I, I don't feel at any point bored by this movie. Again, as we said, I it, didn't either. it's an nope. hour 20. How could you? Yeah. I, I didn't get that way either. Like, this movie to me is so perfectly well-paced, and the momentum keeps growing because it seems like we're just learning more and more about Maud as a character and what her life was before she became Maud. That it's like every time you think you kind of know where something's going, it's like, oh, oh. Okay. I love it. And it kind of changes the way that you feel about everything that you've seen before it, man. It is very, very well-paced to me. And that ending, you know, with this movie, like I said, I don't think that it is at all trying to hide that Maud is unwell in some way. I don't think that it's trying to keep it from us and us to believe that everything she's seeing and experiencing is real. And for it to get to that part at the very end where, like you said, she self-immolates and even like the fire around her face is like very beautiful and not realistic looking at all. And she's like in ecstasy with all these people bowing around her with this portal in the sky that's opening up for her so she can ascend to heaven or whatever. Um, And then it does that just like it's like a quarter second of her screaming in darkness and fire. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah. Okay, here's the thing, though. Here's the thing about that. Okay, whenever it shows us that, is that a view of the actual reality that was going on right there at that moment? Or, considering that whenever she set herself on fire, it was daytime on the beach, and the flash of her being on fire is at nighttime and it's in the dark, is that her burning in hell for what she did? Because that might be even more fucked up. Oh, I did not even consider that. Huh. Like, it's possible, man. It is possible. Okay, yeah. No, you're right. It is possible to see this as an entirely supernatural movie. Yeah, At first, it seems very unambiguous, where you're just like, oh, nope, she's just burning to death. But when you look at it that way, it makes it into, she might have been right the whole time. 
okay. Maybe this is all real. Yeah, dude, no, okay. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even uh, even kind of consider that, but you, you're right. That, like, because I thought it was making the ending unambiguous. It was yeah, saying, totally. like, no, she's on, she's a person on fire at a beach. She's on fire. Yeah, from downtown. She is maybe at the end burning in hell for what she did. Now, it would, it would mean that the likelihood is the, the scene on the beach is again delusion, mm-hmm. but. Maybe she wasn't in pain. Maybe she was standing there serenely on fire. Like, even more. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that does add Ugh. so many levels of, like, more frightening. Yeah. Because and, and, it also opens up that, like, not only that if that is the real ending and that's really what's going on, that means that if there is a god, he's fucking cruel. Very. <laughs> he's mean yeah. as fuck, man. Yeah, very. <laughs> 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, also makes the movie even more twisted that she would go to these links to follow and obey everything that she heard and then be sent to hell for it. Yeah. That's fucking crazy. I think one of the keys to the movie is the fact that when she hears God's voice, it is, in fact, morbid clark's voice oh isn't that so cool i read that on the trivia and i was like god damn it that is such a cool little detail because whenever we get that scene and she's yeah she's got that like altar in her home and she sees that beetle there's always like there's like a cockroach or something right some, yeah it's a beetle or a cockroach of some sort it, it's it's large and uh, an insect yeah. yes and it crawls up to there and starts speaking in welsh which is her native language i assume um it was like a very Black Peter moment, or sorry, Black Philip moment. Black Philip, yes, it was a very Black like Philip moment. It's this low octave voice just coming out of nowhere, disembodied, and I was like, "Man, this is pretty fucking sick." And then you read in the trivia, it's like, "Oh, actually, she voiced that herself." It's just like, "God damn it!" Again, like the call is coming from inside of the house. I love that fucking detail. That is so cool. It's like pitched down a couple octaves and stuff, but oh man, that's neat. I mean. Okay, so what he says to her... Okay, so just that Black Phillip comparison. Black Phillip is offering things. He's saying, taste of butter, pretty dress, etc. This, what this thing is saying to her, it, it seems to reinforce her delusion. It says, you've known for some time that this world is just a game. Your yeah. life, childhood... Mom and dad, what? Yeah, <laughs> like what? her her relationship with her parents was just a game. You could feel there was something more, and all you yearned for was to touch it. I, by the way, I get that feeling. Like the yeah. first time I smoked weed, I was like, "Fuck yes, that's what I've been looking for." The first time I took LSD, the first time I took mushrooms, it was like, "Fuck yes, that's what I've been looking for." is this outside experience is something beyond simple everyday reality and i think that's exactly what she's begun to experience is yeah and and she's associating with religion it may have nothing to do but i mean honestly thinking is she in hell in that last flash of a moment makes me think like yeah maybe this movie is saying like 
no, she was hearing God's voice. <laughs> and yeah. he's just cruel as fuck. He's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, either way, like, what a fucking nihilistic, just grim. Very grim ending. Grim movie, yeah. man. But that's the thing about her view with, with religion and what she chooses to see and what she chooses to hear. And, you know, again, this is one of those things that as a formerly religious person who would, you know, hear that voice and stuff like that myself, I, I can confirm that this absolutely happens. You, yeah. you sometimes do imagine things, see things, hear absolutely. things that you want to 100%. hear. And also, and also too cherry pick what you do and don't like about it so one of the things about this movie that i thought was so fucking cool and so well done and so relatable is that you know as she and amanda are growing closer and stuff and amanda's kind of like fake buying into the religion and stuff probably just to amuse herself she buys Maud this book of william blake's poetry and art, which I fucking, I love Blake's stuff, man. It's so sick, man. Such awesome work. Absolutely, yeah. Um, poetry and art, artwork, both. And as soon as she gave her that book, like, I turned to Kate and I'm like, I don't think Blake was, like, religious, though. Like, he did a lot of religious artwork and everything, but I don't think he himself was a religious person, right? And as Maude is, like, reading the book, she reaches that point where she's like, Blake himself thought that organized religion was kind of a bunch of shit and real spirituality existed between a person and the creator. And like, it just goes in and just says, yeah, but Blake didn't believe any of this stuff. But to Maude, who's looking into everything that's falling into her hands as a sign of God, she's like way, way, way into it. The wings that she imagines herself having later on directly mimic. Yeah. Exactly, man. And then even though she knows that this guy didn't believe in any of this shit, she goes and finds this meaning, this relevance in these paintings and pictures that are in there and, like, cuts them out and uses them there towards the end of the movie to have such great meaning and such great significance to her. She's choosing to forget that part where she read the fact that he didn't really believe in any of this shit. Yeah. She's choosing to go with what she feels is important. I think that is, uh, that's actually a pretty genius play on romanticism. William Blake was a romanticist, and yeah, part of romanticism was kind of finding your own truth in things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so she she is a romanticist. She is right in line with Blake, where it's like, huh? yeah, 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 Blake said that or whatever. Not my truth, though. My truth is this. Damn. Uh, the the concept of no objective truth is is something she loves. So Blake having any inkling of that is, is perfect for her, even if he says no organized religion. And it kind of works with her philosophy, which is she is Catholic, but she's doing her own thing. That's true. We never see her go to a church or anything exactly. like that. Exactly. She's she walks past a church once and looks at it. That's the time she's going out to get drunk. Uh, hmm. And unfortunately, uh, after giving a guy a hand job and him, I guess, being unimpressed or not, he was very impressed. He just left. Uh, she runs into that one guy who she's then having sex with, and then he rapes her. Yeah, she's kind of like, let's put the brakes on this. And he's like, yeah, maybe not, though. Ugh. I mean, all rape scenes are real hard to watch. Of course. She she is suddenly feeling all the pain and torture of that moment. She accidentally caved in that lady's chest. He forces her to have sex. Like, 
Oh, dude, and it's there's something disgusting. about too like the look on her face while this is going on yeah, she is just very dissociates. Like, yeah, and it's very like this is how it usually goes, or like this is how it happens. Like it's very like she's she's been here before. This is not yeah, the first time. It, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. That moment's just like so hard to watch. And then you find out too that that guy was just like, oh, I remember you. You fucked a friend of mine back in the day. He used to come around. And, and again, there's also that unresolved, latent either you know bisexuality or she's a lesbian in the movie. It's never really addressed exactly, but that seems to be a part of her own persona that she struggles with. Like she has all these fond memories of like touching Amanda's hands, and she catches Amanda and Carol fooling around and is like very peeping tom on it and stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. This is clearly a part of her that she is not comfortable with. And again, she she sees Amanda, and Amanda is totally comfortable being herself. Yeah, and that's that's part of the problem. And Carol is 100% comfortable with it, and she oh, yeah. hates it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely like implied throughout the film that she is in love with Amanda. She She's in love with her, which makes yeah. all the sense in the world. But she can't. She can't just simply be like, oh, I'm in love with her. Let's pursue that. <laughs> she, yeah, because of her religion, it has it's wrong and bad. And she has to then eventually kill Amanda for making her feel these feelings. Like it, it's the Jesus worst. Jesus Christ, man. Whenever she stabs her with those fucking scissors, I mean, that's some new jack shit. That's it's so fucking savage. And it's just like, stab, 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 stab. It's not like, you know movie like like elegant like i'll slice you here then give you a cool looking scar across your face it's frantic yeah stabbing it's so fucking violent and raw in a movie that otherwise has been reasonably violence free for the most part i mean the, the chest caving in part but even that's not like this is definitely happening like this is really the only moment of extreme violence in the movie up to that point and it is just like fucking blow your hair back man yeah yeah, and it's it, that that's extremely effective writing there, where you build up, like oh, not yeah. not long before this we had the rape scene, but as we said, she kind of dissociates. She has this look like the rape scene is a uh, an overt no, just disregarded, rather than we see in so many other horror movies where it's, it's a violent affair. Everything yeah. builds up slowly, and then you think like, oh, that's real bad. What's about to happen next? And then it is, unfortunately, seeing a, a terminal cancer patient stabbed violently. Man, dude. Yeah, it, and then self-immolation on a beach. Like, Oh, man, yeah. It, it just, like, takes off so quick. It really does. So one thing I wanted to ask you about, because I think you're much more well-versed in this than I am, what is the significance of her obsession with Mary Magdalene? She has the Mary Magdalene necklace, which Amanda acknowledges Mm -hmm. is not a normal thing, which also means Amanda is a schooled atheist that knows things about religion. She's not just some outside observer. I think, uh, by the way, if you are an atheist out there, you should be a schooled atheist. Uh, Read people's scriptures. You You need to know them, but... Sure. Uh, Mary Magdalene. Here's here's the significance I think with Mary Magdalene for uh, Amanda, for uh, for Maud, for us. 
Mary Magdalene was, if you look into the history, Mary Magdalene was extremely close with Jesus. Some have considered her the female apostle. Right. That she 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 was a, a wealthy woman who had uh, some demons in her that Jesus like uh, cast out, and then she became one of his closest confidants. And uh, and uh, you know, uh, Peter was really jealous of her or whatever. Pope Gregory the First uh, came along and basically just associated her with. Uh, another Mary and with the uh, prostitute that Jesus uh, had some interaction with. So yeah. Mary Magdalene then became this like amalgamation, basically being oh. stripped of her her connection to Jesus, her uh, like religious connection to Jesus and associated with this prostitute. Probably very intentionally really? to strip away any idea of women having power in the church. God forbid, yeah. Yeah, God forbid. I didn't know that. Yeah. Really? But any any real Catholic would know that those things are like the the Catholic Church no longer associates those things with Mary Magdalene. She is considered a saint. She is considered a positive. So what Amanda is associating is those disconnections and the fact that Maud chose mary magdalene kind of shows that she doesn't fully understand either like she's like right oh, yeah, totally. mary, mary was this prostitute like mary had this past or whatever and i i'm also like that yeah that's like me yeah but it also may be that she sees mary was the woman closest to jesus so huh. i want to okay. be the woman closest to him like so that that choice it, it's like it's a real quick moment. She, you know, they're doing like the physical therapy or whatever. She, she notices she has this little Saint pendant. She asks what it is. She says, Mary Magdalene. And you know, Amanda's a little puzzled by that, uh, but there's so much there. Yeah. And you know, this is really interesting because this also plays into something else that I found fascinating about the movie. And I, I figured there must be some thought being put into it. And the more I think about it, yes, there must be, which is the choice of the names and stuff. Now, as we learn, Maud is her chosen name. Her actual given name is is Katie. Yeah. But all the other names in the movie are all biblical names. There's Esther. There's Joy. There's Carol. There's all these Bible names yeah. and stuff showing up. If you look at the meaning of Maud's two names, um, Katie is actually a word that can translate into pure or purity. Maud translates into a great war or battle mm -hmm. and whether this means that this is a battle between herself and her own mental illness a battle between her past sins and her current life or whatever or a battle between know. her and the demon amanda if, if yeah, you were exactly. to believe her narrative yeah yeah it's like i feel like there must be some thought put into all the names in here and i'd like to do some more research and learn all their meanings and how they could possibly relate to these characters because there's somebody just deliberate choices in this flick i can't help but think that there was some purpose put behind those well i mean definitely with joy um joy does a real good job of representing someone who is oblivious uh, obliviously happy with their life like yeah. she she's talking to maude when maude is just 
in her panties staring out a window. She talks to her like it's everything's just normal. Yeah, like, she's, she's not even there. But yeah, yeah, there there's a lot to be researched there, perhaps. And, and yeah. why why choose these particular names, etc. Yeah. Amanda is an interesting choice to me too, because that's not a biblical name. I don't think. Hmm. Okay. But that would yeah, make all I'm the sense sure. in the world for an atheist character. Well, the interesting thing is here too, is like in that conversation that you were talking about where Joy goes over to the apartment where Maud is just clearly not even there. And she's talking with her and stuff, and she's apologizing for kind of blowing her off the night before and all that jazz. But she starts talking about the incident that turned Maude around or whatever. And this is another, I think, important message in this movie. And again, it goes back to that, to the loneliness factor. It goes back to the mental health factor. It goes into everything here. But, you know, while Maude is staring out the window and stuff, Joy is like, I should have been there for you. You had nobody there for you. I know you were going through some stuff. It's like, we all have had these people in our lives that we know are going through something very fucking dark, whether it be an experience or again, mental illness or whatever. And we choose to ignore it because that's the easy thing to do. It's real and hard. this is what it yeah. leads to. Yeah. It's you know? real hard to be a part of somebody's life in that moment. And yeah, what that, that darkness and that loneliness leads to bad things a lot. Yeah. So leaving people alone in that moment is a bad idea. Definitely. I think there's definitely a message in this movie about, like, if you know somebody that's going through some shit, you should be, be there, there for them and listen and take it seriously because look what the fuck can happen, man. I looked it up dude. Uh, real quick. Amanda means a worthy of love or one to be loved, and it's it's a Latin name. It's not a biblical name. So, yeah, um, uh, hmm. still, that is, that's a major point of the movie. That Maud Interesting. Maud is so lonely and Amanda is so lonely. And all Maud has to do is just be her friend and they'd both be so happy. But she can't just be her friend because of religion. Religion tells you you have to share it. No doubt. Dude, here's another really cool thing about you know, again, Maud finding significance and finding um relevance and everything that she sees and interpreting it the own way that she does. There's that part towards the first of the movie in her relationship with Amanda where she's going through all those old posters and stuff. Yeah. Of like, you know, dance performances and things. And there's that one poster that she fixates on where Amanda's head is kind of like upside down and turned backwards and her hair is falling like straight down. Uh Uh-huh. And then like we see later on in that black and white dance video Amanda's watching, it's a, a frame from that performance. Yeah. That's also the pose that that victim that she killed was in. Oh. With the head upside down. So she sees that and she's like, it's a sign. Oh, yeah. She misinterprets everything. Everything. Yeah. She everything. O- overanalyzes and overconnects everything. And that is, a, that is a hallmark of religious thought. Is that everything sure. has to have meaning. Well, yeah, if you're totally going through life believing that everything is preordained and predetermined and everything has meaning and everything's there for a reason, especially if you have any lean towards mental illness, of course that's what you're going to see. Exactly, yeah. No, nothing can be nothing can be flippant. Nothing can be just day-to-day. Everything means something. And, yeah, uh, that, that actually... <laughs> That that is one of the things I find real hard in dealing with overly religious people. Like, 
is that they continually find meaning in every word you say and it's like mm-hmm. I, dude i randomly chose that word uh that yeah. word came out <laughs> i'll tell you this right now uh i have a drug addled brain there's no way i chose that word specifically so yeah it, it it becomes real hard to deal with somebody who's constantly finding oh like uh, too much meaning in everything and i say that as someone who's uh you know uh, uh half of the the this horror podcast that overanalyzes movies oh yeah for now 216 <laughs> episodes like yeah that's what we do what we but do. Th- but that's what art is art is that expression right art is the full expression that that is you making a choice and then sometimes art is accidental <laughs> but yeah I, I i think i think like with religious people a lot of times things can be overly important and art can recognize that things can be accidental and good sure like, it doesn't have to mean anything it, it can just mm-hmm. be like oh wow that turned out really cool that's it yeah there's no more else to it yeah yeah is this an anti-religious movie? There's a lot of these movies that are religious horror movies that I think are very boldly saying, like, no, really, fuck religion. And I don't think that anyone who is a religious person, because I know, despite our constant heathenous rantings and ravings, <laughs> we have many Christian listeners to the show, which I think is fucking awesome. I think, I think so it's too. so cool that you guys that are listening to the show that are Christians, Catholics, Muslims, whatever are going to where the heathens are and listening to us rant and rave and cuss and profane every fucking week. Yeah. I think that's awesome because I know there's a lot of people that wouldn't do that. So no. for one, I think that's awesome for you guys. I, I wouldn't have done think, that when I was religious, by the way. No, I, I wouldn't would have either. Have no. Uh-uh. Yeah, so you guys are above and beyond. But I think that a lot of religious people could watch this movie and f- just feel pity for Maud. I don't think that they could see this as being like a bastardization of their faith or saying anything bad about Christianity or Catholicism. I think they could watch it and be like, this is really unfortunate that this person that otherwise needs actual chemical pharmaceutical help yeah. is misinterpreting these things for religious experience. I wish they could get help. Like, I have, I think that a religious person would watch this movie and feel sad for Maud. Yeah, yeah. I I remember being religious and dealing with people who were obviously experiencing mental health issues, and me personally always wanting to make sure they were taken care of and not exploited for religious purposes. Sure, and I, I think generally most of the people I dealt with in the the Mormon Church, which is you know a, a, a fringe church all throughout the world, were pretty good about that. They didn't want to exploit anyone, but I I, I can see very easily how you can see someone having this mental crisis. And wanting to lean into it from a religious perspective because... Oh, dude, no. This is how you get on TV and you do stuff like whack people with your jacket or yoke yeah. them on the forehead and get them to pass out exactly. and it's the Holy Ghost. Like, exactly. That's all those people are doing is fucking taking advantage of susceptible people and then making money off of it. 100%. Despicable. It is despicable. It's disgusting. 
and no no religion is is uh, uh, you know avoiding it every single yeah. religion does it and it, it costs money to have a religion i mean that's just it how it is it does and it's it's disgusting yeah. <laughs> it really is yeah i i i think this movie at, at the end of the day is anti-religious and even even if at the end we're shown her in hell the movie is saying the god sucks right (laughs) (laughs) so about that god guy right god sucks yeah yeah (laughs) i i mean like that 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 that's kind of my final conclusion of religion is that like i don't believe there is a god i have no idea what happens when you die if there turns out to be a god I have a lot of accusatory questions for him to answer, and he better have some yeah. good fucking answers. <laughs> she, he, whatever. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't give a fuck. Like, y- you can believe that everything is planned out and and right and good, and that that's up to you. But, man, fuck. This world is full of fucking shitty people and bad things that happen constantly and you can say yes everyone does you know should have free will or whatever but if you create a thing that has the capacity for serial killing or you know child rape etc sure holy wars invasion of other people's lands you're fucked up so no, if there is a god, and he wants to send me to hell or whatever, she, he, she, it, whatever the fuck it is, wants to send me to hell, I'll gladly go. I don't want to hang out with you. Uh, I'm afraid to say. I think you just scared off all of our audience that's been listening to this podcast while they're on the Crusades going towards the Holy Land. <laughs> oh, God damn it. Oh, King Richard's men. <laughs> they're never coming back, man. They're never coming back. <laughs> I think this movie's incredible. I think that it is visually fucking stunning. I think it is just a gorgeous movie. Yeah, I well love shot. all the use of super warm lights. Like it has just a very warm feel about it through the whole movie, which I think is very, very nice. Uh, there's obviously limited special effects. It's mainly a lot of just like subtle face warping and stuff. Yeah, that's real just like, subtle stuff. Yeah, it's just there enough for you to go, did I see that or was that? what which again must be what Maud's thinking too so it kind of brings you right there into her world where you're like did i imagine that or did her eyes and mouth just get weirdly wide during that experience like it has you second guessing what you're seeing because it doesn't like focus on it focus on i think it's very tastefully done it also doesn't focus on her heterochromia but yeah the two eyes yeah the the two different colored eyes like every once in a while it's kind of like central and it's like, oh, mm-hmm. right. Her eyes are different colors, but it never focuses on it. That is a real cool, like, I also, I was real surprised to find out that uh, that uh, uh, Rose Glass shot in a taller aspect ratio than normal. Oh. And some of the, because they then, you know, uh, shrinked it down to normal size, some of that required visual effects to make it work and i did i could i after reading that watched it again and could not notice a single moment so 
Word. That's cool. So what, whatever visual effects they did in here were very effective and well done. Uh, you know, including the wow. the wings and the, the, you know, like, ecstatic burning before the actual burning and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all very, done Very, well. very well shot, man. There, there's so many scenes in this, even just like little minor shots that remind you of the way that, like, Renaissance era, like, religious paintings yes. and stuff. Yeah, like, that's it has what they this were going warm, for composed candlelit angelic vibe about so much of it that's just so cool man and we've also totally failed to mention one of the big heavy lifters and stars of this movie which is the soundtrack the the soundtrack is fucking awesome i think that we were about like 40 minutes into the movie and i was like there's like no soundtrack in this yeah like there was so some moment there's some scene i can't remember which scene it was but it was just like this seems like this should have soundtrack but instead it's sound design it's like the sound of a tv in the other room or the house creaking or just like weird ambient stuff but then whenever the soundtrack shows up it's definitely not subtle it's not one of those things like there's some movies where a soundtrack comes in and you go when did that music start playing (laughs) right like with this you're very aware of when the music starts playing because of how quiet and subtle most of the movie is and then when the soundtrack is there, you're like, oh, a soundtrack's here. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck <laughs> it's really yeah. good. It is. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I didn't even think about that. That, like, the the soundtrack is over, like, overly intentional in a really positive way. Rather than being, you know, a yeah. Zack Snyder type of soundtrack where it tells you exactly how you're supposed to feel in this moment or mm-hmm. whatever. It, it, it only shows up at... R- very particular times and when it does it's really there it's strongly there and maybe you know now that i think about it maybe if you look back at that i wonder if some of those moments with strong soundtrack or some of the moments where it's obviously a false narrative i'd like to look back at that because maybe that is what they're going for is like you know real life doesn't have a soundtrack (laughs) Sure. Well, whenever I watch it again, I'll keep that in mind because I will absolutely be watching this again. Uh, I think this is a really, really cool flick that you can watch a number of different ways. I love the fact that, uh, like I said earlier, it's a rare slow burn that doesn't take all day to watch. What? Yeah. It's nice and tidy, man. Beautiful movie, amazing performances, amazing soundtrack. I love the uh, the topics, all of the subject matter and stuff. I am struggling to come up with a lot of complaints. Yeah, for it, same for me. It's 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 like it, when you know, I, I I just gave a ten to Dead Man's Shoes, and I, I I'm pretty positive I'm gonna ten to this. I, I'm giving yeah. a ten to this. It, this movie is is a perfect religious horror movie in a way yeah, that which like, is so hard to find. Exactly. Man. Like you look back on the exorcist and again, I think that is an absolute awesome, amazing, wonderful movie. Pinnacle. It, absolutely. And this, this movie does religious horror for me in a way that the exorcist can't do because the exorcist yeah. relies somewhat on religiosity. And this doesn't. You can be that's religious true. or not religious, and it works. Hmm. Yeah, that's definitely true, man. I, I totally I, get that. Yeah, I think this is a perfect religious horror movie, and I, I, I have no complaints, and I, I can't wait to see more from Morvid Clark. She's awesome. Oh, yeah, and Rose Glass, too. Same. I cannot wait to see what she has coming up next. I'm going to have to do some research. I'm right there with you. Like, again, I can't, 
I can't complain about anything about this. I can't really think of anything that would make this better, really, in any way. Uh, again, not a fun time watch or anything like that. It's no. definitely a deep thoughts <laughs> kind of watch, and that's totally okay. If The Exorcist and all its layers and, and masterful storytelling is a 10... I don't know if I can say that this is a ten. I don't know if I don't know if this has that level. That's fine. I'm not even saying I know why, um, but I'm gonna say like yeah, like nine and a half, nine seven five. Like it's really, really up there with me. This is one of those flicks that like, whenever people are talking about like, oh, there's not been good horror movies since the fucking eighties. Uh, there's no good horror movies in the two thousands at all. About. Yeah, you don't know what you're talking about. This is totally gonna for me anyway. Enter the list. That I give people where I'm like, watch It Follows, yeah. watch The Witch, watch Hereditary, watch Midsummer, watch The Lighthouse, watch St. Maud. Like, I got a list going in my head of, like, movies from the past 20-something years that are mind-blowing. This on there. This goes on the list. Yeah, this is on there. Fucking great movie, and I look forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it, if you guys enjoyed this flick or not. Uh, let us know over on the Facebook page and our other social media outlets. Facebook.com forward slash dead and lovely uh, at dead lovely pod on Twitter and Instagram. Also, uh, you know, Friday night screaming chat. We do it all the time. Every Friday. In fact, <laughs> the last drive in is about to end. And I'll tell you this. I uh, don't have a problem with that. They just did train to Busan. Oh yeah. I love that movie. Which is a great movie, but kills the, the screaming chat. Because uh, yeah, of uh, yeah. subtitles. You're watching it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that too, right, yeah. Yeah, so I... I they should just speak English. I, well, I'm fine with subtitles, and I love Train to Busan, but the screaming chat is about us having fun, not about us watching a movie that's fun. We're, we're watching... We watch Suburban fun. Sasquatch. We watch so <laughs> many fucking terrible movies that, yeah, the moment a good movie came on, it was like, oh, this killed the vibe. Anyway, uh, the screaming chat every Friday night. We have it. Discord. I post the link every Friday. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. Head on over there. Become a, a, a patron on any level. You get access to our uh, 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 TV test pilots episodes where we watch, uh, recommend shows to each other. Watch the first episode. Decide if we're going to keep watching. Or yep. uh, also, if you become a $5 patron, you can throw something in the smoking bowl and I randomly draw from that thing once a month that we cover that movie. So, uh, you know, you want to drive this car? Head on over there. Patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. That's right. Also, consider reviewing this podcast over on yeah. Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you can review a podcast. Helps us out a ton, more than you know, and it doesn't cost you a dime nor take you but a minute to do. So be sure to go and do that. Before you tune in to next week's episode, we're going from like a movie that's a 10 to another movie that's uh, a 10? Is going to be rated. It's a 10. <laughs> it could be. What are we doing next week? Friday 13th, part six. Yes, it's getting warm out there. It's getting to be camp season. Yeah. It's either four or six are my favorite. I don't, I don't know, but six is so goofy and I love it. It's a very just fucking stupid movie. Yeah. I know a lot of Friday the 13th fans don't like it and they're like, man, it's like a slog. It's not really what? a great Jason movie. But dude, I love how just fucking stupid this movie is. It's going to be a good old time, so be sure to tune in for that one next week. Uh, in the meantime, thank you guys so much for listening. As always, 
Check out St. Maud, really cool flick. It's streaming right now at the time of airing on Prime and I think Hulu? It's somewhere. You can find it. Watch it. <laughs> pray about it. Yeah, pray the about it The voice will tell you where to find it. Ask Jesus. He'll tell you. <laughs> and be sure to tune in next week for the new episode of Dead and Lovely with your best buds, Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. You guys have been great. We've been Dead and Lovely. Catch y'all later. We love you. Oh, no. That's not really Gregorian. <laughs> oh, well. Bye. Bye. So this will be my 37th year upon this earth. I'm becoming Old Man, which yeah. is, of course, the final boss in, in Mega Man 5. Old Man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And something that I've noticed about these balls of mine that I've had my entire life, they just keep getting wrinklier and wrinklier. They're really showing my age. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. That's why I'm here to pitch to you and everybody listening, trademark dead and lovely, the next wellness and beauty trend it's called brotox it's botox for your balls to keep those things looking smooth and wrinkle free till the day you die are you in i think they already do that do they really yeah they already be brotoxing some dudes i listen you can't get ahead of the plastic surgery industry woof you cannot. You think, ooh, I want my balls to be nice and flat. You know, like we all do. <laughs> <laughs> nice and flat, yes, yes. The ideal ball appearance, flat. <laughs> I can't imagine. Can you imagine if your balls didn't shrink up? Because then they'd just be clacking around all the time, wouldn't they? It would just be miserable, right? Yeah, yeah. Boy. I Yeah, okay, so I'm in, I guess, because it... You know, it probably would make money if we started yeah, doing absolutely. it. So let's. Uh, I'm not gonna do it, but I'll do it to other people. Right. So let's like, uh, I don't know, den a can until it gets botulism, and then is that how they do that? <laughs> they yeah, that's how they do it. Uh -huh, some the old beanie weenies from an old beanie uh -huh. weenie can. Yeah. Yep. That's right. <laughs> then you just uh, you just fucking inject it into your balls, and there you go. You're beautiful now. <laughs> You're beautiful. It's true. Your balls are smooth. <laughs> <laughs> They're smooth. <laughs> oh, man. Brotox. James Blunt is going to be so happy he's associated with Brotox. <laughs> he listens. I know he yeah, does. Yeah, of course he does. <laughs>